Mac Power Users, Episode 141, Traveling with Alex Lindsay. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks. Along with me is Katie Floyd. Hey, Katie. Hey, David. And we've got another guest with us today, Alex Lindsay. Welcome to the show, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Great. You know, we had you on back, I think it was a couple of years ago. We did a workflow show with you. Uh, yeah. And it was Mac Power Users episode 63, which was one of uh, one of our best episodes. I thought it was really great having oh, you. Oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, because I listened to you. If you don't know Alex already, he's kind of an internet superstar. You, you worked on Star <laughs> Wars, which makes you, you know, a hero in my mind, at least. Uh, you were yeah. responsible for Jar Jar, weren't you? Oh, mm, more don't, than say more. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. No, not really. So, real, in fact, real quick, before we get into the nerdy stuff, um, not that this isn't nerdy, what do you think of um, oh, of the next Star Wars they're making? Are you are you interested in it? Or I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. I you know I and I'm excited on a bunch of different levels. I think that um, you know as someone who used to work there, I think that there is um, a lot of opportunity. I think that w- the thing that we've heard so far is that Disney is really looking at starting in 2015, we get a new star Wars film every year. And um, I'm really excited about that opportunity. And I think that uh, I think it's going to be interesting because it's going to give Lucasfilm the ability to explore that world. There is so much of that world. You know, what we see in the movies is like this, this little crust of the, the star Wars universe that has been created since the original movie and all of that you want to see visually. And, and I think that it's really interesting. They're going to do that. So where, where you might have uh, tent poles, so you have episode seven, eight, nine, which will be happening every two years, according to Disney. Uh, and uh, then you have kind of the, 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 it sounds like what they're planning to do in between those is, you know, things that are kind of like with the uh, Wolverine type of thing. Yeah, like follow like, a bounty hunter around the universe for a movie. Yeah, exactly. And so, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I grew up, I mean, the reason I got into visual effects was because I watched Star Wars. So I can't get enough Star Wars. I can't get enough Star Wars. I can't get enough Star Trek. So I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm quite happy uh, with that. And, and from a business perspective, of course, it's, it's a lot of visual effects work. It's good for the visual effects community, I think, um, to have that much uh, stuff going out. And I, and I think it's really interesting that we're going to see big tentpole movies and then, and then more kind of indie movies, so to speak, um, that are going to have not quite the same uh, same budgets. I love the idea. I love some of the ideas of, of who the directors are going to be. J.J. Abrams, of course, is the gimme, you know, for for this type of thing. Um, I, you know, I think it's it's confusing that he's doing both Star Trek and Star Wars, but it's awesome. And having watched what he did with Star Trek, I am yeah. so okay with him <laughs> yeah. taking Star Wars. Pretty much watching J.J. Abrams do anything to anything, I'm way okay. You know, like, like it's just like I and I, I just there's I I look at all the things that I really like to watch. I mean, everything from you know Lost and Alien. I mean, all the way back to Alias, but Lost and uh, and even now Revolution. I mean, all of those things are things that I watch and I and I enjoy. And I and and, 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 and like watching Revolution. I know that we're gonna have a box inside of a box. The secret box is gonna be inside the secret box. I I know that that's the game. That's the that's the rules of engagement with J.J. Abrams, and it's still worth watching. Yeah, agreed. But you see, you guys say that now, but what are you going to do if he reboots your universe and all of a sudden Tatooine gets blown up and all that other stuff and Luke's a bad guy? I mean, are you going to be okay with that? You know, I am. I love the twists and turns. I don't, I, I think that, I think he makes really intelligent decisions about how that stuff is going to happen. And I, and, and, and a lot of times, uh, while I think it's crazy, some of the stuff that happens, you know, I almost always 
it mechanically makes sense. You know, I'm one of those people that if I watch like a horror film or a, or a thriller and someone does something really stupid, I can barely watch the rest of the movie because the only thing going on in the back of my head is, yeah, if they hadn't done that, if they would have just popped that guy in the head, he would have not been chasing them, you know, three scenes later, you know, and, and, or, or whatever it is, you know, if you, you know, and uh, so those are the things that, uh, that I always think of in the back of my head. And, and just J.J. Abrams doesn't do very many of those. Well, and you know Ka- what I'm saying? Yeah, and Katie, the way they did it in Star Trek, I thought it was okay. They didn't say that that stuff never happened. They just said it happened that, in an alternate universe. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a very creative yeah. way of getting around it. You know, like I thought, I thought that was a great way to, to to kind of move around, and I love the fact that they keep on bringing them back. Yeah. You know, it's like it's cool. So anyway, so I anyway, so I I definitely uh, uh, I've I've uh, enjoyed it uh, so far. So I'm looking for I'm very much looking forward to the new Star Wars. And by the way, uh, another five by five show, The Incomparable, which is Jason Snell's show. Yeah, uh, it's got that. Um, it's done really good job of talking about the latest Star Trek movie. So if uh, right. you guys so listening are into that, it's it's worth an hour and a half listen. Yeah. I so. definitely need to listen to it. I just it took me a little while. I, I travel a lot, and so it took me a little while to actually get down. My my son and I went to see it yesterday, so uh, we're, it was uh, it was awesome. My my sixteen year old and I watched it together, and she's she's a total Trekkie. Katie would be very proud of her. Good. Uh, but <laughs> she she likes the new one series better than the old stuff because oh. you know, that's her thing. Oh. Just calm down, Katie. Calm down. <laughs> And, uh, but you know, at, it was cause I had seen it. I was very fortunate. I got to go see an early screening of it. Um, and uh, so I took her to see it and, you know, and if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen it yet, you should probably fast forward a few minutes, but you know, when, when Kirk dies, she just lost it. I mean, she totally lost it in the theater. She's like, dad, tell me it's going to be okay. You could right. see it's she was so invested. Okay. Yeah, you're like, uh, yeah, that's Kirk. Yeah. So there's a certain level of, you know, it's like, eh, you know, but so now it was now, nice now, to now, see Kate, her involvement, though, to, to get engaged like that. that was now, Kate, Katie, you're, you're the you're, you're the big Star Trek. Uh, yeah, I'm the Trek. You know, yeah. So the, the, so so uh, what is your favorite next gen episode? Um, mm. maybe Darmok. I, I have a clear favorite. I have a clear favorite. What? Darmok. Hmm, that's interesting. I haven't thought of that one. That's, my, that's a good one, though. Mm-hmm. My favorite is Inner Light. And, mm. and that is the one where Kirk, it, I mean, not Kirk. Um, is that the one where he has the family? He has the family. Like, that's mine, too. Hit, hit yep. Yep. And, and he's like in the, like, he has a whole other life, and then he comes back, and he has a whole other yeah. life, and you're, and you're like oh, totally and the, attached the music to it. from that, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was, uh, and they, get, they leave him with the little food. I was like, that is the best, you know, marketing campaign ever. To, you know, anyway, so, yeah. uh, you know, to, to get someone totally tied into an experience. And so anyway, so that, I thought that was a great. Okay. All right. Well, All right, so next I have on my agenda, we're talking about Ewoks, right? <laughs> no. So in, in addition to all the work you did on Star Wars, you also run the Pixel Core, which is, a, you know, I'm not sure I'm going to do it justice and explain it, but it, it's an education. It's kind of like a, a union. It's it's a. It's a collaboration. It's of, so complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a very, it's a very complicated thing. I mean, the Pixel Core is really a, it's a solution kind of figuring, you know, trying to figure out a solution. So, I mean, there's a lot of issues with our, with the way people get hired and the way, and, and, and this is just, it's not just in our industry. It's in, in, in the general employment field, there's this whole problem where it's very hard to match up the right people with the, with the right job. And, and so in this one little vertical of media creation, uh, you know, this has been an experiment that I've been kind of playing with for a while. I wouldn't necessarily call it a union 
um, as much as a, you know, it's a guild. I mean, and, and when I say guild, it really is really focused on the, op, the operative guilds of the, um, you know, of the, you know, 500 years ago, you know, yeah. and nothing really like that has existed for a long time. And, and, it's, and the reason it doesn't exist is because it's really hard. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's really hard to do. It's like hurting cats, you know, especially when it's artists. And so, so it's, it's trying to figure out how do you serve all these different markets. And we haven't, I wouldn't say that we've figured it out yet. Um, so it's, it, I, I would say more of it's a, it kind of like uh, the Apple TV for, for Apple is a hobby. Uh, the Pixel Core, in a lot of ways, the membership is a hobby. Now, it's the front thing you see on our website, uh, but that's usually because we can't talk about a lot of the other stuff that we do. So, um, so it's, uh, uh, and we're getting ready to start talking more about some of the other stuff that we do uh, in public. But the, um, but the primary thing with the Pixel Core is really finding ways to get people ready for media creation. We think, or I think, that um, media creation is, or the information age is just beginning, and the, the, the demand for creating media of all types, whether it's 3D and green screen to uh, animations, uh, video, and, and really as it, as it goes towards non-fictional educational content uh, is about to explode. And I know that we feel like it's expanding right now, but I think that we're just at that early edge of before the popcorn really starts popping um, um, because really it's going to get to a point where you can't buy anything without video training it on how to use it because that's a value add that's inexpensive and and really uh, improves the perceived value and so this is so it's not just as it pertains to schools or secondary schools but really as it pertains to everything and what we expect and so um and, and i think we're seeing little bits and pieces of that everything from khan academy and udacity to uh, just everything you can find on youtube about how to i mean you can find almost anything uh, but right now it's still kind of this rough like oh we're just trying to figure out how to shoot it and I think that there's a huge opportunity coming. And so the Pixel Core is, is in a lot of ways trying to figure out how to prepare people for that. And we don't know how to do it yet, but we're working on it. We're getting better. Yeah, I just gave your name. My daughter's really involved with the video at her school. And one of the kids, he's a senior, he's going to be going off to study this in college. And I said, you need to, to try and get into the Pixel Core. I know you guys have openings periods, so it's probably I don't know if it's available right now. It's or coming not. soon. We're gonna we're gonna open it up again in September. So, so um, yeah, it's it just is it still a good place for for people new to the business or getting? It's started? actually designed for that. It's really yeah. designed more for people who are um, getting started. In fact, we're really about to restart that whole system. Uh, we're going to be doing a couple things over the summer, and then we're going to really reopen in the fall and. Uh, and, and it really is going to be a great, the fall is going to be a great time to join, but it's really a lot of times designed for people just getting into it and, and then progressing. The, the, the goal is to really have a heterogeneous mix of people who have a lot of experience and then people who are also new because a lot of times the people who are new are not contained by what you already know could be done. So they do a lot of experimentation. They also bring a lot of energy and interest. And the folks that have been around for a while you know, obviously bring some, uh, some experience, uh, to that whole process. And so the mixture of those two tend to, tends to be a very, uh, volatile mix that, that's, um, ends up producing a lot of really interesting reactions. So if you know anybody that's interested in this, in this industry, you should definitely refer them over to pixelcore.com and it's P I X E L C O R P S, you know, just like a, like a military core, but instead it's a guild of multimedia. Yeah, yeah, and, we, and it's really something that um, you want to stay. You want to definitely follow us on stuff like Twitter and and G plus uh, because what we're going to do is we're going to start putting out a lot of stuff. Right now, it's hard to get into, and we're about to redesign the whole website to make it a little easier for people to get on the list uh, of people that are interested in getting into it. And uh, but it's really something that is going to be um, progressing. A lot of it is driven by a lot of R and D that we're doing 
you know, kind of in the in the background, and just a lot of production. I mean, we're right now we're kind of in a in a painful uh, production growth spurt that we're just trying to keep up with, and so we've been we keep on thinking that we're going to start up the education in in, in a more uh, intense way, and we keep on trying to add more people, and we keep on just barely staying ahead of the demand for what we're doing. So, and in addition to that, you're also a regular participant in Mac Break Weekly, which is one of the premier Mac podcasts. And you produce the Mac break videos, which is a, you know, always the highest possible resolution videos of the Mac. That you, can <laughs> we, we, you know, we're moving to 4K. I, I figured you would. I mean, yeah, like, like we, I came back from, from CES and I've decided, or NAB and I was like, okay, it's time for us to move to 4K. So I now I don't have a TV that can broadcast that, right? No, no, it's not ready yet. But we did when we did 1080p, no one could download it. We did 1080p podcast in like 2006 and no one could download those either. And they thought we were crazy. And now, of course, it's pretty commonplace. And so so, you know, a lot of what we're trying to do, we use the podcasts in a lot of ways to our own podcasts uh, to kind of experiment with um, the next level of technology and build our production pipeline around what we think is happening next. And we think that or I think that uh, that the. 4K revolution is probably not something we're going to see in projection to theater and probably not something we're going to see in TV anytime soon, but it is most likely something we're going to see in the internet. And and so we're kind of in this weird space where the internet may actually leapfrog TV and film as being the highest resolution content that you can see because it's really expensive to rebuild, you know, to send out a whole new set of projectors that can handle 4K for theaters. And it's, it's even more expensive to rebuild the entire back-end pipeline for TV to produce, to distribute 4K to a, bunch, to a handful of people that have uh, the 4K uh, TVs. Yeah. The difference is, is for YouTube or Netflix or Apple to, or Amazon to change to 4K well, you know, is When you think about nothing. it, monitor, computer monitors. different files. Well, yeah, and, and, and it's also for them to change the distribution right. method is just a file. It's not, it's not we have to buy, you know, $2 million of equipment for one channel. You know, it's just literally like, oh, we'll just put up bigger files. And so, so all of those systems are on the Internet are, are ready to move over to 4K. So I think that more what we're going to see are, you know, Netflix. Like I, I think that a lot of the Netflix, Netflix original programming uh, in 2014, 15 most likely will be being distributed in 4K because they're going to want to show it off. And I think that you may see Apple going down the same path and YouTube going down the same path. YouTube already supports 4K. We just don't see a lot of it. But now we're seeing TVs, the 4K TVs that are $1,500. I mean, it's, it's definitely coming this direction. But those, there's going to be nothing on those TVs from TV. Yeah. Meaning like from traditional TV, the only place you're going to see 4K is the files that you download on YouTube and, and Netflix and Apple. And I think there's a huge opportunity for the Internet to really kind of upstage uh, TV and film. So, of course, that's why we're getting into it. And one thing that I have to ask myself is at what point does the resolution become pointless? I mean, with respect to the iPad, for instance, with the Retina iPad, you know, at this point in my life, this is the the highest resolution. It looks great. But four years, maybe the video processors are able to quadruple it again but what why bother at that point well i think that once you get to the level that you're seeing the the, the pixel density that we're seeing in the uh in the ipads the retina yeah. quote-unquote retina where you're getting into that i don't know exactly what number they have it's 224 or 250 or something hmm. like that but once you get well and the rumors you, now are that they're going to double it again and there's not really i don't know why you would do that yeah. to be honest with you I, I think that once you get to about once you get to about 300 dots per inch you know that are pixels per inch um that's that's denser than print 
you know, and, and that's really like an art magazine. I mean, that's denser than an art magazine at that point. And so, so I, I you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not sure why you, you, you go much, much, uh, in a much denser dot, but, and, and, and I have to admit, I, I have, uh, I shouldn't, I mean, I have a lot of retina, um, laptops for my company, not me personally. Um, but we have a lot of retina map. Um, and I, and I really wish that they weren't retina <laughs> to be yeah. honest, you know, because I think that I, there's a lot of CPU power being used up to fill a screen in a way that I don't really need it. Yeah. And so, so I, you know, I get, I like everything else about the computer and I don't really need my resolution. It is nice. I mean, you get used to it and you see an old machine and you, you, it does look softer and more, you know, aliased and everything else. And I did notice it with my iPad mini, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely that a little bit more, but it didn't bother me that much. Um, it's not like some people would say, Oh, it hurts my eyes. And it doesn't really hurt my eyes. I'm, I'm quite fine looking at it. Um, I just want it to be snappy. I mean, I think I'm, I'm more interested in it being fast. And so I do worry that they're going to keep on, you know, maybe that's the next sexy thing to keep on increasing to 500 DPI because that's the new measurement that everyone, but I don't think people really care. Yeah. And so yeah, it becomes and the new megapixel. Yeah. The, with the retina display, we're, we're far enough on the iPad. I think with the 4k TV, that's going to be probably far enough. Yeah, but, I don't think know. I don't I think that we're I mean, people are talking about 8K. I mean, there are cameras that are 8K ready. Um, but I think that, you know, for a theater, maybe 8K makes sense um, for a for a TV. No, no, I don't, I don't I don't see how you really have home equipment that is capable of of showing off more than 4K and, and, and only the best screens and large screens would be really you'd really see a big difference anyway. I mean, I, I definitely see it. I went I was in Japan and I walked up to 100 you know, a hundred inch Panasonic television. And you definitely could see that 4k would, would, would definitely improve the experience because by then you can actually see the pixels on 1080p. And so, so it definitely, you know, at some size it does make sense. But, um, but I think for most home home buyers, I think 4k is going to be enough. And then of course I remember when I computed on a Tandy or was there at that point it was a Radio Shack color computer that had four, right. 4k memory. Right. And, and they came Same out with thing, yeah. And they came out with the 8K one, and we, me and my friends said, "Well, I don't know why you'd need 8K. That's just ridiculous." So <laughs> when I when I bought my first, uh, I bought a not my first computer, but I got an Apple II. The first one I bought with my own money was an Apple II Ci, and it was uh, it had I bought it with 122 megabytes of hard drive space yeah. and people were like what are you going to do with that yeah. 120 megabytes you are wasting and, and i told him i am editing audio thank you very much yeah. and i'm gonna need that space and and uh, and i did use up most of it i think i never got over half of it but you know it's on its way well, well alex the real reason i wanted you here today was because we always hear from listeners saying would you please do a show just on travel and tech and I said, I'd like to do one, but I, you know, I know a few people that travel more than me. And I think you travel more miles than me in one month than I've probably traveled in my entire life. Uh, I always feel like I'm on the road. Yeah. <laughs> even, because, even when I'm home, even when I'm home, I feel like I'm on the road. I still pack and organize everything like I'm, you know, like I have to move around because I just never know when I'm going to leave next. So. Well, and that's uh, largely due to the success of your company. You're doing all these streaming projects and you're in demand. So you guys are global. You're going all over the planet, helping people with, uh, is yeah, it and mainly we, streaming a, you know, or we're, what uh, all are you doing uh, We do trips? a lot, pretty much everywhere in the world. And, uh, and, and we, we have a, a great team that's doing it. Uh, I obviously am still part of that team that needs to kind of go and solve some of those issues. And so, uh, so I do, do spend a lot of time in the air. Yeah. So I thought, who would be better than Alex to come on and tell us about 
how he pulls all this off. So I thought we'd break up a trip into the various pieces. Uh, but before we do that, let's just mention our sponsor for the show. And that's an exclusive sponsor today. It's, it's Smile Software with their newest product, Text Expander Touch. Um, now, Text Expander Touch 2.0 just came out. We've talked about it a little bit past on the show. It's out now, and it's fantastic. Now, if you haven't heard about it yet, Text Expander Touch is the iOS component of Text Expander, and it's the app that we love to talk about. So if you do anything repeatedly, you have a simple snippet to send it out. Like I just did a snippet last night to Alex where I, ha I sent out a snippet that's got all the Skype passwords, or, or I'm sorry, the Skype names in it so you can know who to talk to on Skype today and the various things we do. One of the pieces of it I put in the, uh, the text expander snippet is telling him what I'd like him to record his half on. Like, do you have a, a certain app? And of course, when I sent it, I was thinking, why am I doing this to Alex Lindsay? He's got more recording equipment than I've ever owned. So I, I should just delete it. And then I didn't, though. I just sent it anyway. Then Alex wrote me back and said, I think I'm well equipped for this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll survive. I think I'll survive. Yeah. Well, but, and, and, you know, I love Text Expander. I mean, I, and I haven't used uh, Touch. I'm really interested in using it. I, I know that for me, there are so many things that I have to say over and over and over again. You know, whether it's my mailing address back to, you know, someone's got to mail some gear to me or something, something for me to look at or my uh, or when I'm sending out like links, you know, there's a, to get to our Dropbox, there's yeah. a, you know, that, that first part of the link. I don't want to think about that. I just want to think about my file name or, you know, like we do a lot of Google Hangouts. And so there's all these ports that need to be opened. And so I always end up talking to some tech guy and instead of me finding it, I just go Google ports and, and it just, boom, it's all there, you know? Yeah. And, and then, and then it's, uh, uh, you know, and it just, it saves so much time and it's not just time, it's accuracy is that you're saying the right thing exactly the same, you know, when you're doing that rather than trying to type it all out. Have you ever used the fill in snippets? The fill in snippet. Oh, no, you, you mean the ones where you actually fill stuff into it? Yeah. I haven't. I, oh, you know, I, I, I have it just as just big chunks of, you, you got to try that. So these fill in snippets. Now you, it'll put a blank on the screen. And like, oh. for instance, when I sent that one to you, it said, Dear blank, and then I wrote uh, Alex in there. And what then, was I thinking? How did I not do this before? And they've got selection options, or, or so you could say, make sure to bring the you know your microphone, and then you could have a block in there, and you could say the Sure microphone or the Rode Podcaster or whatever microphone you want. You could select from a pre-designated list, so you can oh, create these amazing snippets. Well, for the longest time, they've had this on the back, and and yeah. if you start using it, you're going to go crazy. I love it, but this new version, Text Expander Touch 2.0, brings all that now to iOS. So you can do fill-in snippets on iOS, which is kind of amazing. And it and does also, it work with the operating system or is it something that is uh, like, how do you, how does it automatically, does it, is it working in the background? Well, it's very clever. First, they made an API and the API is free. So app developers can plug into your snippet library using the API in their mm. app. And this is their way of kind of getting around the whole thing that Apple does of locking everything down. Right. They also use these URL schemes. So, for instance, the Drafts app, which is one that I really love, now supports Text Expander Touch 2.0. I'm sure there'll be a lot more. But if I want to do a fill-in snippet, it jumps over to the Text Expander app, does my fill-in snippet, then jumps back to Drafts and fills it in. That's cool. That's yeah, very cool. It, it is really cool. So it's it's great. It's four ninety nine. If you if you already bought it, it's a free upgrade. So if you had one, version one for iOS, just go download the update and you're good to go. It's also got rich text now. 
um, a lot of other great stuff. But, you know, Text Expander really has made the jump on iOS to become really useful. I believe it's now over 150 apps support the API. I'm sure they're all updating now for version 2.0. Go check it out. I'm also going to put in the uh, show notes and a video I made. I made a little six minute video where I was making some snippets with the fill ins and all the stuff on iOS. And it, it was really a lot of fun making it. And it shows off some of these features. So go check it out, everybody. And uh, if you haven't tried Text Expander yet, go do it. But more importantly, if you already have it and you haven't tried the fill-in snippets, go do it because you're really going to uh, improve your productivity. I use it for all sorts of things every day. It is the key to the operation. Where you're just, there's so many things. You, you, once you start thinking about snippets, yeah. you, you suddenly realize how many things you're doing over and over and over again the same way. And, and, and you're just taking, like, you're taking your life back in like little, little bits and pieces. Like one of the fill-in snippets I use is a conference call. Whenever I set up a conference call, I fire off a snippet. It fills in all the conference call details for me, yep. you know, like the numbers they dial into and all that stuff. And then it has a little fill-in snippet so I can put the names of the people. And then right. I have another fill-in section where I can say, here's the agenda that we're going to talk about. And I'll type in a few words so the, the call doesn't go off the rails. And just very quickly, I can put that together and it makes me look like I'm so organized when it's really just these snippets in the background doing it for me. Oh, I got to do the fill in snippets now. I suddenly realize I haven't been using it nearly, you know, to its to oh, yeah. potential. You got to get your black belt. You're at your brown belt now. You I need know, to get your black I know, belt. I know. I have a lot of snippets. I have a lot of moves, but I don't have any of the great moves. So right. I'm definitely going to work on that. Well, check it out. You'll, you'll, once you do it, th- my only suggestion is do it like on a Saturday. Or maybe when you're on a plane, because <laughs> yeah, exactly. if you're just starting, you're going to spend a couple hours like making a ton of them. Yeah, totally. Well, well thanks, Smile, for sponsoring the show. And um, go check them out, everybody. It's at smilesoftware.com, or you can go right straight into the App Store and check out Text Expander Touch. So, Alex, let's start at the very beginning of this travel journey. And luggage is always a tricky thing. I mean, I started <laughs> out with, I bought the nice luggage, you know, the... And I don't know what is nice luggage, but, you know, the $400 set that I got when I graduated from college that my parents bought me that matched and everything was great. And the first trip I went on, the airlines absolutely destroyed it. So from that point on, I just bought the cheapy stuff and I buy it every couple of years. What do you travel with as someone who travels all the time and gets stuff banged around? Do you do you buy nice custom stuff? And I mean, I know you've got to keep your gear Mm. gear safe. So you've got to buy custom stuff for your gear. What, What do you do? Yeah, so it's I am pretty, you know, anybody who travels a lot, I think it's really specific about what they do and, and you make decisions about what you're what you're getting. So I do have a couple things that are important um when I'm and it's first I'll talk about the rules. There's kind of for me there's a set of rules of what I'm looking for when I'm actually doing it. So uh, first of all, with, uh, with my, there's always one bag that is kind of my clothing, kind of my clothing bag. <laughs> so I, I usually, I pack gear into the middle of it sometimes when I'm, when I'm out of room. But, uh, but for the most part, I, uh, and that's right now what I'm using is a Samsonite compactor. And so what's kind of nice about it is, is that it has, it's one of these, um, it, you basically can pull it up and pack it with all your clothes. And then when you close it, you can push down on it and it like, it goes click, 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 click. And you can actually kind of push all the air, air out of it. And so you can get what feels like more into it. I mean, you really could probably get that done with a regular one, but it, it makes it a little easier to put it together. So I wouldn't say it's the necessarily the cheapest uh, solution. Uh, it, it does fulfill a couple rules. One is, is that it has a front pocket. A front pocket's really important for a carry on for me for the pull on carry on, because I usually put my, my toiletries in the front if I'm, if I'm actually using it as a carry on. And so it's, um, you know, for me, I always have my, 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 uh, my toiletries in that front so I can pull it out, you know, just in a regular, whatever, Ziploc bag. 
and uh, but I want them all all right there so I can pull them out and put them back in as fast as I can. I'd that would be very, the three 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 bag. Yes, the three 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 bag, otherwise known as a freezer Ziploc. Yeah. they get destroyed so quickly that and they they break so often that I usually just use a Ziploc until you know for a couple trips and then use another one. Um, I know that's not environmentally friendly, but I've tried buying nice ones, nice three 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 bags, and they always just get destroyed or the little Ziploc thing breaks, and then after that it's worthless. And so I've just learned to just stick with the the basic one. So anyway, that's what that's kind of the direction I kind of got beaten into. The one of the things that's important is the zipper and making sure that it's a thick zipper. Now, the thing you have to know generally about packing stuff is that if you're the zip, the problem with a zipper is someone can put a put a knife into it and just open it up. So you just have to kind of know that you know whatever you're checking you kind of have to be detached. If if you if you re, if it's really important to you, you're going to have to figure out some way to carry it on. And if it's and otherwise, you just need to know it's insured, and you know that it's going to be you're going to make things you can do things that are going to be inconvenient. And we move a lot. When I say this. You know, we move a lot of gear. I move, um, you know, we, it's not uncommon for me to be checking, you know, $100,000 of gear. So you, you kind of have to just know that you are, um, there's a certain level. Now, there are things that you do to be precautious, but you just have to know that there's a chance that it could not end up on the other end. And so, um, so you just have to know zippers. Some, some people bring up the fact that zippers are not secure because, again, you can, you can just take a, uh, take a knife and just run right down them and open up your case. And so that's just, that is the cost of that. The one nice thing about them is latches. If a latch breaks during, during transport, um, then your bag is opening up. So, so zippers are kind of nice that way as they, they tend not to do that as often. Other things that are important that are part of the, the, the pull on case that I use is that it is, um, they use roller skate wheels. So I really don't, I mean, I, I got into this conversation with actually someone, a manufacturer, and it turned out the CEO was like sitting next to me on, you know, in, in the plane. And so I started talking, we started talking about luggage. And of course I can talk about luggage for hours. And, um, uh, but, uh, one of the things that he was asking about is like, oh, do you use the little four, you should really use four wheels. You know, people, a lot of people wander, wander around with a little four wheel. The problem with the four wheel is that it is uh, it gets caught on things and the wheels are really small and they tend to break and they tend to get gravel in them they tend to get a whole bunch of other things that make them less stable uh, and they're they're great if if you don't put them in any kind of real challenging location they are awesome because you can stack things on them and it's great for me I need to have roller skate wheels and and and, and you I, mean and like like rollerblade wheels right roller blade wheels like yeah. well they have and you'll see them they they, they usually they'll advertise that they have you know like the roller not roller skate I'm sorry you're right roller blade wheels and you will see that they are the structure of rollerblades and and it and they will you're going to pull that rather than any other option that you might have i tend to pull everything and i just i like to run it that way and so uh but um you can move them around but roller um uh you know rollerblade wheels for me i can get up over things go upstairs move escalators all that other stuff is much easier to manage and they tend to be not they tend to be much more resilient. So the other ones will have two wheels, but they'll be chintzy little wheels and they'll break and get do all kinds of bad things. And so so anyway, so so that's that's important to me. The the structure of the like if I'm pulling something out, the structure of the of the handle that gets pulled out, um, I tend to want to have that to be really um I want to see that it's pretty stiff. If it feels like it's bouncing around a lot, I mean, eventually I'm gonna just that's the thing that's gonna break usually on most of my carry-ons is the is the handle that pulls out because I just do it a lot. And so, um, and I also like that to be able to be enclosed. Like you can zip it back into a little window rather than have it exposed because if it's exposed, a lot of times it gets pulled out and jammed and broken. And so, so anyway, so that's what I kind of worry about with, um, with the, 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 the carry on. There's always, you know, two pieces to a, my general set, which is 
my backpack and my carry-on because those are the, on all events of course i i have those two um and then after that it gets you know whatever has to be added to the kit so but the basic travel for me and i can go a good solid six weeks you know on with a carry-on so i mean you kind of get you, you that kind of you know life uh, travel life kind of beats that out beats the need for lots of new stuff out of you you know over time yeah. And yeah. so, um, so let me interrupt there a little bit. So I had the same experience as you where I was getting these carry ons and I do a fair amount of traveling, but not nearly as far as you or as often, but it would always be the wheels would break or the handle would break it. Yeah. You know, those and, are the two weak points. And, and the wheels would always be terrible, you know, because I would just buy the cheap ones because I just expected them to blow apart anyway. So why not just get the cheap ones? And yeah, but uh, there's, I got to say that there's nothing worse than being at the airport with one wheel, not working. It oh, just, I know it really takes the fun out of travel. I mean, quickly. So, um, so a couple years ago, uh, actually I just looked it up. It was four years ago. I bit the bullet and I bought the Pelican carry on the 1510. And I have a lot of 1510s. I love, love, love this carry on. I use it all the time. It solves all those problems. It has great wheels. It's got a great handle. It, I bought the the model 1510 LOC, which is the one that's made for a laptop. You know, it's got a little pocket in it for the laptop and your cords. Right. It does, it solves everything. The only downside is you can't stuff as much into it because it's a hard case. Yeah, well, that's the and, and it also doesn't have the same uh, volume. So I have a I have um, we probably have thirty or forty fifteen tens in the office, and um, and I have probably five or six in my house. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you that fifteen tens are just. It's funny you wonder what the size why it is the size it is. So the reason a 1510 is the size it is, if you jump on a puddle jumper, you know, these little turboprops, yeah. it is the largest case that you can carry on and still know that you can put it in the overhead. So that is the size. The size that it is, is it, it is smaller than an average carry-on, but it means that you will be able to carry it on even to a smaller plane. You need yeah. to get into a really small plane not to be able to put your 1510 up in the, you know, above, above your seat. And so... I definitely agree with you as a, as a general one. I'm always kind of trying to stuff as much possible into it. So it, I use it for all our, all of our gear, all of our small gear. Um, but it's, uh, it's great. Well, it's really nice for me because I, when I travel, I travel real light. So I can usually pull that off. The only hang up for me is I have to bring an extra pair of shoes. Sometimes that'll blow the whole thing apart. But the, um, now, why but, do you bring an extra pair of shoes? I'm well, just always curious. Well, sometimes I have to, because I'll be going to do, um, like a trial. And I can Kids wear in his business shoes. Yeah, basically. So what right. I do is I, I wear my dress shoes on the plane and mm-hmm. then I have a pair of vans, you know, cause I'm from Southern California. It's kind of a, <laughs> a law that we have to wear vans. Right. So then I'll, I'll, I'll pack those in there that you can really kind of press those down and get them in. Yep. But if I have to bring two pairs of dress shoes, then that I'm just, I'm screwed at that point. You know, I have, I have my, my solution. I always, I do always have two pairs. I'm always just curious what other people are using. I, I have a, I use Vibram's. You know, the little five finger <laughs> feet, yeah. which you probably couldn't get away with. But yeah. anyway, so, so I oh, wear no, those. Those, now those mostly, are definitely courtroom appropriate. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, so I have dress shoes. Yeah. I, I, don't, I no. don't wear them in court. I'm just kidding. You know, yeah, they would be just like, they look at your defendant and go guilty. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, um, uh, but the, the reason that I have them is, is that most gyms, you need to have a, you need to be able to cover your feet. Yeah. You can't use flip flops or whatever. And so the Vibrams are the thinnest, smallest possible thing that I can pack that I can still wear at a gym. And so I don't, you know, I, I will wear them around a little bit, but a lot of times I'm all, always looking for a gym at the, at the hotel or near the hotel or, or something. I, I have a hard time. I mean, I'm one of, I have a very slow metabolism. So if I, and I'm already, you know, it's always a challenge for me to, uh, 
not even maintain weight, but just not lose too much ground at a time. <laughs> yeah, no, I get so, it. I so get the summer it. is usually, you know, if I'm not traveling, I can get, I lose weight pretty quickly. It's when I'm traveling is the hardest thing for me to keep. And when I travel a lot, like the last 18 months, I gain weight. So anyway, so, so I'm always looking for, um, uh, you know, looking for a gym. And so that's the, you know, I have one bag and I, I use a, I don't know if you guys use the Eagle Creek. I have like, I'm, I'm very obsessed with my Eagle Creek cube system. Yeah. That's my, the, you told us about that in the last episode and it's really great. I bought some of them afterwards. I so, have so many, I have so many, you know, like they're, they're everywhere and, and they, and, and I have different sizes, you know, the, 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 you know, I obviously have the ones for my dress, my dress stuff. And then I have, uh, um, you know, but I, I break everything out into that and, and it's, I just know how many cubes I need for a given trip. All right, yeah, now let's and, let's break this down and explain to me how the okay. So basically, these are little cube bags that you put inside a bag, right? It's a bag inside of a bag. It's, it's a bag. Okay, so why why does that help? Tell explain that to me. Yeah, a couple things. One is is that it's a lot easier to keep when you have your clothes. You fold them all. Uh, I don't. So I'm I'm in this kind of I'm son of a lawyer. So I have this kind of uh, issue where. I do not like ironing, but I, but I dislike wrinkles more. Okay. You know, so, so I, I really don't want to have to deal with a lot of ironing. So by folding everything up and putting them into these bags, you know, they're going to stay, you know, I'm going to have the hard creases that I just have to get rid of. I don't have to get rid of um, what I would call micro, micro wrinkles, which make me crazy. So, um, cause then they, that really takes work. You can't do that with a steamer. And so, so do you um, roll them up and put them in the bags or do you no, fold them? No, no, I just okay. fold them up, put them in the bag. And, um, uh, so I fold them and put them in the bag and, um, and you can get, you can kind of press each bag pretty, pretty tight so that it is, um, you know, so that each one is pretty dense. Um, uh, and it also just allows you to kind of stay organized as far as, you know, the sections of what you have and you fill those out, um, by having each one of those, it also means that when TSA goes through them, it's not a complete mess. So, you know, if TSA wants to go through through my bag, I just know that they're going to pull out the big the big uh, pieces and they're going to put them all back in. And it also makes it a lot less embarrassing when you're, you know, at TSA when when, when it's a carry on and they open it up because they want to look at something. Um, it's not like them pulling out all your underwear and all this other stuff and everything else. It's all in little bags. I just pull the little bags out. It's very nice for them. It's very nice for you. Um, and then um, it's nice and, and, and most importantly, more than anything else uh, about everything I do around packing is that it's fast. So, it, you, know, you know, like everything's going to be processed quickly. Um, if I, you know, for instance, if I, if, if I pre- put too much in my, over, in my um, bag and I can't quite get it in the overhead, like it's got a little too much of a bulge. By having my suits and stuff on the very top, I literally will open it up in the plane. It's really bad. I open it up in the plane and just pull that out, and then it'll always fit. And so it's kind of like my extra little spacer. Um, but I still kind of stay within two bags. Anyway, so the um, uh, but by having them all there, and then when I get to the hotel, I can simply pull those out, and I just zip open the tops and put them in the in the drawers. Um, but then it's all kind of. Uh, um, you know, it's kind of organized. It's very easy, very quick and very easy for me to organize everything into, into where I'm going to stay. Um, and then I also have, the one thing I do do is, you know, those little vacuum, um, what do they call them? They're like, uh, I buy bags. a lot of different ones those, Yeah, where, where you basically have a, it has a little bladder and you just sit there and twist it really tight yeah. and it'll, it'll suck all the oxygen out of it. Now I use that for all my dirty laundry. So, you know, that's, oh, that's kind of, if idea. I'm not going to be, if I'm not going to be washing, um, on the trip, so if it's not a long trip, if it's a short trip and I've decided that it's kind of um, uh, dispo- uh, kind of a dis- what I would consider a disposable trip, which means that it all, I'm not trying to re-clean the clothes, then I will just put them in there and, and keep them all. You know, then they, then they are, end up in this kind of flat you know, thing at the bottom of my, uh, of my bag. 
uh, if I am going to, th- then there's two options once you're, once you're flying because you can decide whether you're going to either wash in the sink or you're going to use the hotel. Obviously, the hotel can be a little bit pricey, but if you have nice clothes, you're going to have the hotel deal with it. Um, but a lot of times I'm, uh, you know, for my more casual wear, uh, I have these little wool light packets and I'm pretty good at washing them. <laughs> you know, when I get home, I wash stuff and, and you get the right kind of underwear and the right, right kind of T-shirts and the right kind of everything. And it's easy to wash and they'll all be dry the next day. And so uh, so you can go along long distance. Anything more than about I start gearing up for that if it's more than 10 days, you know, yeah. I start realizing I'm going to have to be I'm going to have to pace myself. Now, these cubes, do you pack, for the most part, like items in the cubes? Like you'll put all all shirts in one cube and all pants in yeah. another cube and then maybe your suit in the third cube? or Yeah, so I, I tend to break everything up. So there's socks and underwear in one and then there's shirts in another and then there's like my pants in another. And then, and then typically all the dress shirts and the suits all end up in one. Of, they have this kind of one that's designed for that. So they all kind of end up in, in that larger one um, that will sit on the very top. And because the cubes happen to be the right size for the Samsonite bag that I have. It really, they literally, the, the half cubes, two half cubes fit side by side perfectly in the bag. It's, it's, it's like the cubes were built for it. So, uh, and, um, so I have a couple quarter cubes at the bottom and then I, you know, they're on one section and then, and then my, my workout clothes are in a half cube and then I have a couple half cubes and then I have this full one that is the, as the top one. Um, I guess it's full cubes and, and then the, whatever it is, I don't, the garment bag or whatever, the little garment thing on the very top. And so anyway, so that's, that's how that, that's how the cubes work. But they, it really, you know, it just, I got tired of getting into a situation where I was overweight or, you know, like overweight on the bag or I was, um, uh, or I was having to pull stuff out at TSA in front of everybody that I just got tired of having this like messy bag, you know? And, and so I just kind of enjoy, and, and I tend to do that also with all of our gear as we tend to kind of clump everything into, into bags. So our SDI cables and our audio cables and our converters and, by putting everything kind of into its own compartment, you um, uh, it's just much easier. It's much faster to find it. Like I don't like even in my backpack, which we'll get to in a second, I guess. Um, I don't like I don't like loose wires. So I, I tend to everything has to be in a pocket or a bag. I don't. I, it makes me a little crazy if I see. Um, I don't have any problem with the wires laying around all over my office, which is the way it is right now. But but I but what um, makes me a little crazy when I'm dry, when I'm traveling is having those like if I'm reach, opening up a bag and reaching into a whole like nest of of cables it just doesn't work for me yeah the, the now the the pelican doesn't really lend itself to those cubes because there's a well inside and there's like little divots for the wheels and yeah 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 it doesn't really work so, so what i do is i just do the roll you know i think i, I first learned about it on youtube and if you uh-huh. lay everything down and you stack it and i always do from i try to have the most important clothes on the bottom so they've got the least amount of crinkle in them Yep. And then I just do a nice tight roll and then it fits right in there. And then when I get there, I, I hang them up and usually I'll, I'll put them in the, the room with me when I take a shower. And if, if worse comes mm-hmm. to worse, I'll break out the iron and, and fix them up a bit. I, I have a, I, I have this whole thing about trying okay. to find the right steamer. So, so I have this shark makes a little steamer that's hard to find now. And so I, um, so most of the regular offices that we have, we have a couple offices around the world and, and most of them have steamers in them specifically because I need them for my suits. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but Shark makes a little one that that or used to that is great because it's small enough I can really fit it in there. And then, you know, steaming, you can get away with steaming most things um, with a really high with a good powerful one. And the other thing is steaming is not very expensive. When you look at the what you would pay, a lot of times I've just gotten really good at going to CVS or whatever and buying it. I'll buy a steamer even if I can't take it home and just leave it. Yeah. I was like, if, if the room cost me an extra fifteen dollars. I would have paid it. <laughs> so this this room is this cost plus the steamer, and then I'm fine. 
Yeah. And it, and it really depends on, again, how, how long I'm how long I'm there. But a lot of times straightening your, your suit, having your stru- suit straightened by the hotel is going to cost the same amount as buying a steamer. Yeah. And you can do the rest of your clothes. The, um, and in addition, you've got a second carry on, like you said, your backpack. Yeah. So I just got, I just got a new one. So I've been, you know, the whole, the whole office is we, we tend the, the worst part is, is that we tend to copy each other. So somebody gets a new, uh, a new bag and then everyone, you know, plays with it a little bit and then suddenly, you know, everybody has the same bag and then, then we're confused again. We can't find the bag because we all have it. So for a, for a long time we had a, uh, the, the kind of the, the, the one that everybody used was a Kata DR67, 467, a DR467, which was the bag that all of us had. And everybody had it. And it was, it was kind of annoying because everybody had the, the, the same bag. Um, and then Kata got, like they went into a design phase and they got some, they turned it into something that we didn't like. And so, um, and so we moved to a Mountainsmith bag, which was really nice. It was a good Mountainsmith bag. And I've had that for about a year, I think. And then um, Liana Lahua. Uh, is uh, she's done a lot of production for us. And yeah. Liana's sh- awesome. Yeah, so so Liana shows up with this. And, and I, I know that she was a little, little uh, you know, she was like, oh, no, Alex is going to copy me. Um, and, Nobody uh, look then, at my bag. Then, yeah, exactly. You could tell she's trying to hide the bag. You know, like she, just, she, she wants to be able to just know she can walk over to her bag. But so Liana got um, a 511, a tactical 511 um, bag. And it's the, she got the one that is a slightly smaller one. I think it's the 17 or 15 or something like that. And I got the 24, which is a little bit bigger. And oh, I really like it. It's got some things that I don't like. You know, the, 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 laptop, the laptop sleeve is a little too small for a 15-inch. So you really can put a, you can put a tablet or an or a Air in there. And it's the one right behind your back. And, and so you can fit those things in there, but you can't really put a 15-inch retina in it. And so you can put the 15-inch retina in the main pocket. It's just kind of weird because it's just kind of floating around in there. So we're thinking of retrofitting it with some slots because a lot of times I'm carrying because I do production. It's not like I, I think everybody should do this, but for, because I do production, um, I, uh, have, I tend to have two retinas, um, one main and one backup. And so I want to, I think we're going to retrofit it so we can put two, two slots in, but it has lots of bag, like lots of little sections. And so, um, and it's got great front sections, and then it's got all, it's got it's, it's it's really a tactical. I mean, it really is a tactical. Uh, yeah, I'm looking. So did, can, did you get the optional rifle sleeve that goes with it? You know, the thought had crossed my mind. <laughs> oh my goodness! But, uh, but I didn't. I, I but I did get some of the extra. You can get these because the webbing is in the front. Uh, you can um, get these little extra pieces that'll hook into it, so that you can have extra things that you can kind of attach to it. So I, I do have a couple of those going across it, and then I ordered from another company. They have the Velcro names, so. Literally, mine is you got a big Velcro Lindsay, and then we're getting pixel core patches for the square Velcro in the center. And yeah, you've got to do that. Yeah, yeah. It was like, well, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's a must. So, uh, so anyway, so, um, so we're getting the Velcro patches, and we're, you know, I think we're kind of standardizing on that, on that one there. And it's, it's really comfortable. As I said, it's, it's, uh, it's incredible. Once you start playing around with how to put everything in, like figuring out what pockets you're going to put into it. And it's really important to think about that. I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people can be very, random about what they do and 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 when you're traveling just there's so much whether you're pulling something out during a flight or you're in a rush somewhere or whatever being able to pack well um you know and being able to know that you're going to always put everything back in the same certain pocket for a specific thing it just makes it so much less stressful and easy to and also just to know whether you have everything i mean that's half the battle it's just knowing you're leaving with all the same stuff. So if you kind of if everything goes back in the same place, you can kind of glance at it and know 
that it's full and that you have what you think you have rather than, and then that's, that's also part of that, that whole packing process. I got a few years ago, I, I got a Tom Bin smart Alec, which is a, a really nice backpack. Uh-huh. I think, um, I don't remember. Somebody told me about it and uh, it's, it doesn't have as many small pockets, but it's really nice for traveling with a MacBook. They have, um, they have a special product. I think it's called a brain box. And this is from memory where it's a, it's a, it's a padded hard case that you can drop a, a MacBook pro in and put it in there. So it's like an extra level of protection inside. And that's usually my second carry on. It's really nice. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah, so it's and, and we tend to be. I mean, the you know it's the pixel core. We tend to be kind of tactical. No, I love, I love, <laughs> a lot of stuff I totally looks pretty gnarly. It. I yeah, told, it, it, it's, it, you know it, it's the look, it's the lifestyle. You know, so it, it definitely works inside of our our mindset. Oftentimes, frankly, so, um, I, I think you guys need to take them out back and like shoot some holes in them. You know, we do we do wear and tear some of the stuff. Some of the bags we use um, specifically in certain parts of the world, we we do wear and tear them pretty heavily. Um, because when we're having gear in them, especially if we're going to have $20,000 of gear in it, we'd prefer it to look like it was a lot really old and probably just has, you know, dirty laundry in it. Yeah. So, it. so we, we do a lot of work to, you know, um, uh, to beat some of, you know, getting good canvas bags. And then, it's funny, we'll take these canvas bags and then we'll drag them behind something and then we'll leave them outside and get them wet and gnarly. And then we wash them and, and then they, they look nasty. And then, then we put all this really high tech, you know, neoprene and all this other stuff inside of it. And then we put all our camera stuff in. It looks so nasty on the outside. It just looks like someone threw up on it. And, uh, and then it's got all this great, great gear in it. That's <laughs> so, but that's the only way, you know, that's kind of how we kind of sneak through certain areas. And it's not so much sneaking through. It's just mostly you, not you just have to remember, attention. you just really don't want to attract attention, not from the government or anything else. It's just. You know, you in a lot of places that I work, you you um, you know what you are, have on your back represents like twenty years of someone's income, and so you just have to remember that that you know even you know you just want to not make it a temptation. Yeah. yeah. So once you've got your bags packed and you're you're ready to go, how do you navigate um, basically your your trip and all of your documents and your boarding passes and your travel stuff? I mean, how, what do you kind of use for organizing all that stuff? Are you Evernote users yeah. or do you use um, Gosh, what is the new one? Um, uh, flight? Uh, um, no, Apple's yeah. Passbook. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I use a little bit of everything, um, but, but mostly I use TripIt. I mean, TripIt is kind of the thing that I, that I organize. For a long time I had um, – there was another one that I was using, but TripIt works pretty well um, as far as uh, figuring that stuff out. The, um, you know, as far as like the passport – I mean, the, the, the big thing with passport is always – your pa- and I mean your passport, your actual p- passport that you leave with. I have to think about it all the time is you always put it back in the same place and you always pull it out and, and they will tell you that um, you shouldn't let it get bent up because of the, the RFID, which, uh, which is always kind of cute because that's actually what I wanted to do is actually not have the RFID work. So, um, um, but anyway, so, you know, the, you know, part of organizing it all is, is definitely knowing before the trip that I actually, we do so many trips. A lot of times uh, I don't know. And I, I have to say, I don't manage all of my travel. I manage some of my travel. So sometimes I'm managing my travel if I feel like it, I guess. Um, we have a great staff uh, on the comp- in the company um, that, that really um, does uh, most of the, uh, you know, uh, most of my travel stuff. So I don't, I don't really, um, you know, ob- oftentimes, you know, Colleen Goldstein and, and Shannon Cooper and a whole bunch of other people in our, in our office will, um, generally do most of my travel. And so usually I just kind of, I sometimes don't exactly know where I'm going, but TripIt will show me and they'll send me emails and they'll let me know what's going on. Um, uh, I buy a lot of hotels through hotels.com. 
uh, mostly because I, you know the extra <laughs> every 10 I get another free room and we kind of use the rooms um, oftentimes for when we're bringing people in for something that doesn't have a budget you know so if something is you know oh, we want to bring someone in to talk or, or whatever we can just quickly get them a room it doesn't cost us anything um, and if I need to, you know if there's some kind of emergency or whatever so I really like hotels.com and when you buy it turns out when you uh, when you buy 300 rooms plus per year from a one vendor, they treat you really well. So, uh, yeah, so anyway, when, <laughs> you know, so, so I mean, it's not just me, like our entire crews yeah. all get stuff bought from, from, uh, from hotels.com. So I could, I could try to do it all through Hyatt or someone like that. And, and I do, I'm kind of in all of those, the Starwood and, and the Hyatt, you know, all those groups I have like the little cards and everything else, but I'm not a big fish in any one of their ponds. It's mostly for, Hotels.com. Now, so, just to back up real quick, TripIt, the way TripIt works is you can forward an email to them, like when you get your plane reservation, and they'll take care of all of uh, figuring out the data and sending you notifications on their app. And it's it's a really great service. And if you're, if you're willing to give it to them, they'll, they'll just look at your mail and just constantly be updating it. <laughs> so, so, you know, just look at your Gmail and just be constantly just updating data, you know, as, as you get things. And so it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty cool service. Um, and, uh, so and I, you can you know, I, interlink I, and share accounts too, right? So you can you can check the TripIt information and share information with your colleagues and coworkers and see where everybody else is. I really should do that. I don't think I actually do. I yeah. I, 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 I I it's so so funny. I always feel like I should be more advanced than I am, but it works for me. Uh, you know, but the um, but yeah, so I that that actually works pretty well. Um, uh, I use I tend to use passport. I like passport just because I like to be able to show up. The biggest problem with uh, any kind of electronic pass, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to use them, and the biggest issue I have is if if you run out of battery, you're really you know SOL. So um, so I, I always have a tendency to think that I'm going to use my my passport. And I go ahead and, and set it up, you know, inside of uh, passport inside of the uh, on passport, the iPhone yeah. passport. I'm sorry, yeah. passport. Uh, I kind of set it up. Um, but I usually, once I get to the airport, I just print a ticket because I just want a printed version of it to get in and out of stuff. And it, it works really well. You know, I'm, I'm a big Scotty vest guy. So I, I have my, my vest or a jacket or something. And there's just, you know, it's funny if I don't have a Scotty vest, I feel like I'm totally lost because I have like all the pockets have a very specific thing that if you haven't noticed, I have a tendency to have very specific things in every pocket and Scotty vest is no different. So, so I have all this stuff and there's one great pocket just for your tickets and everything else. And kind of addicted to keeping everything in there and, and no, that's uh, great. And it, and it, you know, there's all the bits and pieces that I need, um, for a trip. And the great thing about the one thing about jackets in general, whether it's a Scotty vest or anything else is when I travel, I always travel with jackets that all have that every pocket. So a travel jacket to me is not a travel jacket unless every pocket zips shut. Yeah. So it's not, it's, it can't button shut or Velcro shut or whatever. It has to zip shut. Because that means I can take while I'm standing in line, walking through, you know, the getting ready for TSA. I literally just take off all the stuff with metal and everything, put it all in my pocket, zip it shut. So by the time I stand there, everything's done. All I'm going to take my jacket off and throw it on one of the bins, and I'm done. Yeah, you know, like like I don't have to think about any of the other stuff um, there, and it also keeps it contained. Again, keeps me it reduces the loss by um, by keeping things kind of in all in a contained unit. Um, and it also just means you don't have lots of things falling out. The most panicked I've ever seen Katie. I've no, how long have we been <laughs> friends, Katie? Like oh, gosh, so she, that was early. She, she knows exactly what I'm oh, talking about. We I have no clue. I think it was somebody else you were with, not me. And she, she was convinced she lost her iPhone, but it was just in her 13th Scotty vest pocket. She didn't follow <laughs> yeah. Alex's rule. She put it in the wrong pocket. I did. Yeah. She literally lost her phone in her clothes. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. I, <laughs> That's true. Twice. 
twice in the last two weeks I've, I have thought that I lost my phone and then I jump on my iPad and I go find my iPhone and I make it make a noise and it's like within like six inches of me and it makes me feel very foolish. Yeah. But I'm really glad that I have it. That's the other thing about any of your iOS stuff. There's two rules. One is definitely turn on find my iPhone. And number two is keep it charged because you know I lost, I actually just lost an iPad in some trip somewhere. And, uh, you know, and the battery wasn't very high. So it, it's dead and Probably some someone probably has it now, but um, and you've got those I, things locked down. I would imagine, don't you? Yeah, 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 definitely locked down. So uh, when I'm traveling, the, the, they're definitely locked down. So I just set it up to be to reset the next time it connects to. You know, it's going to lock up and and be reset the next time it connects to the internet. And they may have already done that. You know, if, if someone already has it. Um, but, yeah, I'm uh, kind of mixed on Passbook. Just going back to that that discussion. Yeah, I, I'm not sold on it. Yeah, you know, it it's you have to download an app for the airline, whichever airline you're flying on. If so, if you're on one airline all the time, it makes sense. But it's not really that easy to get the ticket in there. And I always wonder because I use it too, but I always also always print out the ticket because I'm convinced the first time that I don't do that, something will go wrong and they won't let me on the plane. Uh, well, I've, I've, I've been at the gate where my, my phone no longer works. And so I have to have them reprint it, which is just, you know, just absurd. You uh, just one thing is line. nice. That, yeah, it's, well, no, I, I, I jumped out of line and got out yeah. of, but then I lose my position and I'm, you know, I spent a lot of miles flying with one airline so that I don't have to think about where my bag is going to go. Exactly. You know? and, so, and that, and that's so. another great thing about the Pelican. If it does get yanked out of my hands against my will, at least I know it's it's a hard case when it goes underneath the plane. But it is. I have a hard time. The problem for us is a lot of times whatever I'm packing and whatever I'm carrying on is tends to be unless it's just my clothes. If, if it's just my backpack and my and my bag, it's okay. But if it's if I'm carrying a Pelican case on, usually it's a uh, it's stuff that I don't want to check. I mean, I can. I pack it. I pack it so that it can be like in worst case scenario it could be checked. But usually it's a lot of gear, a lot of expensive gear, and I really don't want it. To be thrown. And it's funny because I occasionally they ask me to check my Pelican and I always say, well, this has some very expensive equipment in it because it does right. have my MacBook Pro in it right. and, and my clothes, you know, but uh, right. just looking at it, it's they, the usually, they usually agree with me. They, they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, that oh, we'll check something else then. And so I, well, I, and I've dodged so many bullets that way. I mean, you definitely, you know, the, the one downside of Pel- Pelican cases is that it's hard to get. If you're bringing a lot of gear, and we bring, you know, the record. Liana actually holds the record in the company for most bags checked by one person, and uh, she checked 23 from New York to LA. I think that's the record now. I'm, I get up to like it's pretty common for me to hit 14 or 18 bags, um, but they're all Pelican cases. And one of the big things is we try to keep all the Pelican cases the same. So we use a lot of 1650s and a handful of 1640s. And and then a bunch of fifteen tens, and we try to keep them all the same because then they'll stack on the um, on the little push cards. And it's really funny. We now have gotten to the habit. I I have I've gotten to the habit of I take pictures of all the push cards. And of course, you get a GPS, so you know kind of you can you don't have to really remember what air, airport you're in. But I take pictures of all the push cards because I'm I'm trying to remember which ones are which. Because when we think about do I need someone to meet me at the airport to get all the bags out. It, a lot of times it, it comes down to what kind of push cart because, um, for instance, uh, in Pittsburgh, they in Japan, they have this little lip up in the front and that ruins everything because now yeah. you can only hit you can only hold half the number of bags on that on that um, on that push cart. Whereas if they're the, the best ones so far are Cancun has these 
they're they're open in the front, but they're really thick and they're really you know stable, and you can put you can put a lot of bags on them. So how how many did Liana move? Twenty three. Wow. Yeah. That's All a, by herself. Well, I mean, so <laughs> not really. I mean, that would know, surprise so, me though. She's quite a she's quite a force. Yes. Yes. I mean, so oftentimes her bag is almost as heavy as she is, and uh, and so 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 she was accountable for them. But there was a crew of a couple people that got her. Like took everything, took her to the airport and helped her get the bags, you know, over. And then typically once you get to the airport, you get a porter and then you get them to move things around for you. And then and then it's still a process, you know, and um, but you, uh, you know, you kind of have to check things in and out. And then usually we have someone waiting for them on the other side to, you know, um, to to get stuff back out. So it does it does end up being a team on either end to get all that stuff through and. 23 can be done on your own, but it's pretty hard. Well, you, you need a porter. You just need to know you're going to be able to get somewhere where someone's going to have a big cart um, to, uh, you know, to sort that out. And you get kind of good at knowing where to, in most airports, where to find that. Uh, or you need someone to help you. Um, and, and a lot of it's also just security. Like, you get there, and if you have to go get a rental car, you're going to have to figure out somebody's going to have to watch it. So you do have to think about, like, who you're flying everywhere um, to, uh, to make that work. All right. Um Let's. I want to talk about in-flight, what you do in-flight. But before we do that, we should probably talk about our sponsor again. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. Our next sponsor is PDF Pen. And, you know, there are all kinds of flavors of PDF Pen. Again, by Smile, you can get it on your Mac. You can get it on your iPad. You can get it on your iPhone. And what the beauty about this is it all syncs up through the magic of uh, iCloud, if you've bought them through the Mac App Store, and Dropbox, Either way, if you have or haven't. So I just had this kind of surreal experience with PDF Pen. I was I was uh, driving home with my mom, and we were we were coming home, and uh, we passed the turn off to a, a lake place that some friends of ours own. And my brother was taking a party and taking some groups out to the lake. And he, my mom said, you know, you you really should email your brother the directions to the lake because he's taking a bunch of people out there. And I said, yeah, you know what, I should do that right now while I'm thinking about it because I'll forget when we get home. And so she was driving and I was in the passenger seat. And I said, you know what, I've got those directions in Evernote. PDF Pen will connect up with your Evernote account. So I pulled up PDF Pen on my iPhone, was able to pull the PDF of the directions to this lake house out of my Evernote account. I looked at this Evernote, this document, this PDF document that's now sitting in PDF Pen, and I realized, hmm, this has my cell phone number on it, and I'm sending this to a bunch of my brother's friends. I really need to change this PDF and put his cell phone number on it. So driving down the road in this car that's bumping up and down the road, I'm able to edit the PDF on my iPhone, change my cell phone number to his cell phone number, save the PDF, and then email it back out to all of these people so that he's got it. And and I actually emailed it to his girlfriend, too, because she's going to be the one responsible for disseminating this information to the party. And I did all of this in a span of about three minutes from my iPhone, getting the documents back and forth uh, out of Evernote into PDF pen, edited and back out to people. And then I saved the edited document uh, back to a shared Dropbox that I had with my brother so that now I know that he's got the document on his computer and it's already saved on his computer when he gets back home. So that's just one of the cool things that you can do while driving down the road at 60 miles an hour with PDF pen. And it will link up with all of your accounts and you've got all of your data right then and there. I thought that was pretty awesome. Sometimes it feels like we live in the future, doesn't it? I know. And when I did this, I told my mom, I said, you know what? I'm going to talk about this on the next episode of Mac Power Users is the ad spot because I think Smiles are our next sponsor. Well, you know, and it's funny. I, 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 uh, all I do with it is use it to sign documents. 
You know, like, you know, that's the, but to me, it's great for that. But um, yeah, it's, and it's very valuable just, just to do that easily and quickly. Yeah. Now, have you done that on the iOS devices yet? Have you tried it on the iOS? Yeah, I think I've done it on the, I think I've done it, I think I have it on my iOS devices and I'm pretty sure I've done it on my iPad. Um, but I know I've done, I do it a lot. I mean, the, you know, I get a lot of agreements that I have to sign all these NDAs and all these other business documents. And, and so I use it a lot just to kind of sort through that stuff very quickly. I mean, you always get this, please print it and sign it and then fax it back. I'm like, fax. I've heard of this thing called fax. I do not know exactly what you're talking about. So, so you know, to me, you know, PDF. And, and you can do it with a lot of other things. It's just that the, the easiest one and the fastest one so far that I found is PDF. Well, PDF. well, imagine yourself like on a park bench in Tokyo, like eating a I've been sa- there. Eating I can, a sandwich. I can, I can imagine that. I like imagine like that. lonely Keanu. Like you're like lonely Keanu. You're sitting yes. on a bench and... And they say, sign the contract, you open your phone, you can open PDF pin for your phone, which is a really great app, and you can paste in your signature and send it off. Yeah. It's, you got to try that. It's great. Key to the operation. I, I'm going to, like, uh, get you going on all the smile stuff, Alex. I'm going to become... Well, I the, have it all. I yeah. have it all, and I, and, I, and I buy it. I mean, it's not even that yeah. they send it to me. I mean, I buy it, and I use it. It's not that I, it's not that no, I, I don't use it. it. I just don't... I just, I'm just not the... You know, I, I'm definitely a power user about certain things, and there's lots of things that I'm still Oh, no. Out. You're, like, on the one-yard line, brother. You are almost there. We're just going <laughs> to get you that last step. That's it. But, you know, you're, you're a busy guy, and that's. I think that's one of the points I try to make on the show is... You shouldn't spend all your time getting all this fiddly stuff done all the time. If you're working, you've got to do your work. And uh, But once in a while, some of these things come up that are, are worth spending a little time getting more fiddly on. Absolutely. Um, so but- that's PDF Pen for Smile. You can find more information on their website, smilesoftware.com slash PDF Pen, um, and learn about all the cool things that it can do. And if you're ready to take it up to the next level, check out PDF Pen Pro, which will allow you to do all that and more, including creating uh, fillable PDF Pen forms. Uh, you can create an edit table of contents. You can create websites to PDF and edit document permissions, which is new in version 6. So thanks to Smile for sponsoring this episode of Mac Power Users. So once you get on the plane, and this is something I definitely wanted to hear from you about, because I'm pretty basic. When I get on an airplane, uh, I've usually packed my MacBook Pro. I'll have a Bluetooth keyboard and my iPad. And I, you know, I, I feel like kind of the, you know, the old Cold War spy. I download all my email and everything before I get on the plane or while I'm sitting on the tarmac. And then once I'm in the air, I'll, I'll answer a bunch of email or, or write on a book or do something like that. But nothing is connected to the world. Yeah, I pretty much. I mean, it's very similar. I mean, I, I think that I, uh, I definitely do the same thing where I download is make make sure that I have all the last emails. I mean, typically, I, I'm pretty paranoid about missing flights because most of the time my connections are pretty tight, and uh, and so I can't afford. I mean, not tight. I'm, when I say that, I, I almost never book a flight more than nine, closer than ninety minutes from another flight. Um, but the, but I, if I miss that one, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of problems. <laughs> so, yeah. so the, um, so I tend to get to the airport pretty early. Now I have to admit that I, I travel enough that I went ahead and invested in, you know, getting, um, one of the lounge cards or whatever. And so, um, which I think they now send me for free. I don't really, I don't think I paid for it for a couple of years, but, um, but the, uh, uh, so when you go to the lounge, it's a lot easier to not deal with it. 
you know, deal with the rest of reality. So you, it's just much easier. You just get there early and then you hang out and then they've got Wi-Fi and everything else. And so you kind of are dealing with that on ongoingly and it, you definitely get in earlier. And, and if you're not traveling a lot, it's not as much. I mean, you can find something in the, you know, find places in the other area. But if you are traveling a lot and you're wondering whether the lounge is worth it, it definitely is. You know, you know, it's, it's definitely worth it if you're, if you're spending a lot of time in the airport, you know, and I, I do about between 200 and 250,000 miles a year. So it's, it, it, it definitely makes a difference to not have to, um, you know, sort, you know, deal with the, you know, finding a place to sit, you know, and so yeah. with power. And so, um, cause yeah, I want to be powered when I get on there. So once, once I get onto the airport, onto the, uh, once I get onto the, the, the plane, plane, usually it's the extension. I mean, I fly a lot of, um, I fly United mostly probably 80, 90% of the time. And, uh, I almost always fly at least economy plus. So economy plus for most flights, uh, means that you have power in the seats. So, uh, you've got extra four inches, which is really important for being able to use a 15 inch laptop. And then you have, uh, and then you have power. So it just means that I'm going to be able to go. Now, one of the things that's really important for Mac users is to know that the power supply that comes with your retina will not work in a plane. So you have to go to the Apple store or use an old computer or whatever. But the cutoff for most power supplies, at least on United, is 70 watts. So you need to get a 60-watt <laughs> power supply. So you can, get, you can get one of those. You just go to, go to the Apple store and buy it. It's, it's, I think it's for the Air or one of the small, maybe the 13-inch MacBook. And it will still charge your – it'll just charge a lot slower, but it'll still charge it because you, you, your, your computer ships with a 85-watt. And that, as soon as you plug it in, it'll just turn the, the circuit off. So, and I think it'll reset once you pull it out, but it, either way, it doesn't, never works. So, um, so it's important to get a, so I have another uh, power supply that's a little bit smaller. I have to admit, I carry both of them because I really do want it to charge fast when I'm, you know, on the ground. Yeah. But when I'm in a plane, then I have to deal with that. I usually check most of my flights to know what I have to do before I leave. I usually check most of my flights and find out whether it's a Wi-Fi enabled plane or not. And I'm usually pretty put out if i show up on one that said it was a wi-fi plane it's not um and so uh you know it's really funny they actually warn you that it's not going to be a wi-fi plane and if you want to get another flight you can it's really it's an amazing like they realize that's a really important feature um that they're adding to a lot of their flights and so um uh, anyway so that that's i mean when i get there mostly i'm doing that i i do as much as i can as far as uh, it is a lot of time to get a lot done. And so I, I do try to focus on it. I, a lot of times I do things that require a little bit more thought. Most of my day is so broken up with phone calls and text messages and emergencies that when I get on the plane, I kind of try to work on things that I have to think about that I may not have been doing other than that. So it's something that takes a little bit more like quiet time to kind of, uh, to kind of manage that. Sometimes I get so much work done on a plane that it makes me question what the heck's wrong with me when I'm not on planes. Oh no, absolutely. I, I have the exact, I mean, I, I, I'm not as effective as I used to be, but I, but I'm very, uh, very effective on a plane. I get a lot done. Um, you know, when I, when I'm flying and I have to admit, I'm, I, I'm kind of, I like long flights. I don't really like, I like them to be either really short, like less than 70 minutes. So a little Las Vegas or more, or San Francisco to LA. I like them to be like little hops or I like them to be seven to 10 hours or seven to 12 hours. Um, because then I can sleep and I can do other things and I kind of have this kind of zone that I can get into the four or five hour flights cross country drive me a little nuts because you can't, you can't really sleep during them and you can't really, you know, there's just not, you kind of get settled and then they, then they land. And so, and I have to admit, I take so many really long flights, you know, 10 plus hour flights that, 
you just kind of get into a zone of I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And, and it just, you just kind of flow with it. Um, and, uh, you don't get that on a four hour and four and a half little, little tiny four hour flight. <laughs> so what, what headphones do you prefer when you're on a plane? I almost always, uh, most of my headphones, I've, I've played around with a lot of them and I have the Edimotic, uh, iPhone, uh, headphones. Yeah. Um, and so that, and, um, with a little triple flange, I, I really don't like in ear if they're not triple flange. Cause I just don't feel like they're really, a, they don't really stick in my ear and B, they don't really block everything else out. That's what I'm wearing right now, actually, during our little, um, our little talk here. So I, and I, and I have a couple pairs of them cause I, um, I have a bad habit of uh, washing them. So, and they don't, they're not, they don't work nearly as well after you wash them. So I would imagine um, they're clean <laughs> yeah, it's, it, and it's really it a sad thing. You know, like, problem. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, you just, you wash them and, and they come out and you're like, Oh, I can't believe I did that again. And, um, and so I don't, I, I've gotten better about it and for, for a while it was bad. And so I have to make, really make sure I go through my pockets, but yeah, I, I so I, I have the, the Edimotic ones are nice. I, I like them. I mean, obviously that they're not the high, as high quality as some of the other options, but there's a couple things about them that really work. One is, is that they, again, they fit into your ears really well. Um, the tonality is not the best. So they're kind of the right kind of compromise for me that the, the um, tonal range and how they represent the tonal range is not as good for music as, for instance, an Ultimate Ears or even some of the Shure uh, headphones, but it is better for, um, for phone. So I kind of want, I mean, obviously I want it to be sound great when I'm listening to music, but what's more important, typically I, I spend more time talking on the phone or on Skype or on Hangouts or whatever. So I really need that to be clear. I need to understand what people are saying. And so a lot of the other ones are a little too bassy, so they sound great when you're listening to music and I can't understand what anyone's talking about. So, so it's, um, so I'm a little bit functional function over form, uh, in that respect. I also find that the, that the, um, the, where they, the length of cable between the ear and where the microphone is, is just the right, it gets the clearest, uh, audio, uh, compared to a lot of the other ones that usually have it hang down a lot further, which I'm sure it looks better or is easier to control, but it's not, it's too far away. And so you, you end up with a lot more room noise. So, uh, you know, as I said, I've gone through a lot of them. I don't like ones over the ears, not because I don't like them. I think they sound much better, but because I don't want to pack them. So to yeah. me, in, in ears are going to be something that I'm, that's, I'm going to always have an in-ear because I just want to roll it up and, and have it easy to easily accessible. In a zippered pocket. In a zippered pocket, you're right. <laughs> Definitely in a in my inside, my little inside, my my front my front chest pocket on my Scotty vest is usually where they I, that you, my iPhone live. Now, do you use the automatics when you walk around too, like during the day? Is that yeah, your main? it's pretty much my I, thing. I, uh, the only other I do I do have another headset, and the other headset I have is the Boom. Um, and the Boom is if I'm in a loud environment or if I have uh, I have kind of an old older BMW that has a it's a convertible. Yeah. Um, makes me feel like I'm not working for a moment. And, um, and when I'm driving, I was just in it today on the way, home, way to San Francisco. And, and, uh, so the boom is, is made by the, I think, I guess the company that makes it, which I guess is the boom. I don't, I don't know. It's like the boom.com and they, um, they're expensive, but they, they make the same, they're the same company that makes mics for like Apache helicopters. And so their, their, their rejection of outside noise is incredible. And so, uh, so I can wear that with my top, the top down on my convertible, driving it, you know, 70 miles an hour on the, on the highway and people think I'm in my office. So it's, it's, um, it's, so a lot of times when you think I'm in the office, in fact, right now I'm doing, no, I'm not, doing this <laughs> on my office. but, but the, the, so it's a really great one. I also use it when I'm doing podcasting from like NAB, like if I'm doing my little handheld 
iPhone versions of NAB or Macworld, I, I use the same, the boom, because you can't hear, it just sounds like you're just talking there. And, and so if I'm in, I'm also in a loud city and I'm having conference calls. I, I'm in kind of, it feels like I, I'm in, uh, I'm in, I, I usually am in between three and five calls a day dealing with some production unit. So um, whether it's the clients or our guys or whatever. And so being able to create a quiet environment, even if I'm not in a quiet environment is really important. And, uh, and so they're, I said, they're, they're not the cheapest solution, but they, they're, they really do throw the rest of that uh, surrounding noise away pretty quickly. You know, my only complaint with the etymotics is, um, is when I eat, uh, like a lot of times I'll listen to podcasts while I right. eat lunch and mm. you can hear yourself chewing with them because they're so good. <laughs> yeah, so exactly, exactly. I keep a, a pair of just, you know, the, the pair of cheap a- Apple, you know, what do they call now? Eye ears. I think got a new name for them. Ear pods. Yeah. Ear pods. I've got, yeah. I've got them. I keep them in my car. So if I go to eat, I, I don't use the fancy pants ones. Then so I you just, don't have to hear yourself. That's yeah. yeah <laughs> it just, it grosses me out. You just have to take one ear out. If you're listening to a podcast, you don't really need to hear it in both that's ears. That's true. And you take one ear out and it all goes away. I, I know exactly what you're saying, and that's what I do is I take one ear out. I, I spend a lot of time with it in one ear as it is. Which I, don't know, you know, I don't know if that's a good idea. But the other thing I like, by the way, the other really important thing about the Edemotics is that if you spend a lot of money, and once you start spending more than $100, it's a lot of money on a, on a head, pair of headphones. When you, the, the great thing about the Edemotics, I used to complain about this, but it turned out to be a huge feature, is they have these little filters built into them that are removable. And so when you when it fills up with wax, which it inevitably will, you uh, with the other ones you can try to clean them, but they're never the same. They never recover. It's never going to be the way it used to be. No matter what you do to that front that front grill, it's just that it just gets a certain way, and it never is going to work. I know that's kind of gross for this show, but but it is. It's the truth. Yeah. And the great thing with the Atomotic is they have these little filters, and you you have this little tool that comes with all of them, and you screw it in and pop them out and put another one in, and it sounds you know perfect again. And, uh, and I always have, you know, a set of, of those little filters because what will happen is suddenly you just realize that one ear is way quieter than the other ear. And that's yeah. when you need to, you know, change the filter. And uh, it, 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 works, it works really well. And as I said, it's not – I will not claim that it is as good a sounding headset as many of the other ones, the high-end shores or the ultimate ears. But, but it's, uh, it's a great compromise between all of those pieces. So uh, when you're – told to turn off all electronic devices and um <laughs> and when you're taking sounds off like he doesn't sorry what do you do with yourself when, when they say that it's kind of like a joke yeah so anyway so now i i don't know all of us business travelers i mean we, we sit there we like the, you know the 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 you just keep on going until someone you know until i don't know until you run out of when you, you know, Please, once, you ten, once you get ten thousand feet when you hit ten thousand feet, you can't text anymore because it's you've yeah. got no reception. So, so the you know, so, so that's the. So you know when you can't text anybody anymore, then it's okay to use electronic devices again. Well, well but then <laughs> but then you turn off the phone part. You see, you turn off the phone part once you've realized because the the one thing about leaving your phone on phone mode during a flight is the the real issue is that uh, well, there's two issues. One one is is that it'll burn your battery to the ground because anytime you have bad reception um so one of the people will notice i it took me a little while to figure this out and i talked to an engineer about it and with your iphone uh and iphones tend to be more sensitive to this than android phones or a lot or samsung phones specifically and i'm told i don't know if this is the truth or not but i'm told by an engineer is because the iphone tends to be a little bit more responsive so it it will recheck a bad signal faster than a samsung phone and the result is, is that you get better reception when it can with the iPhone than you do with the Samsung. The bad side of it is, is it'll, 
bad a bad area like Las Vegas, New York, LA, San Francisco, Disneyland, Disneyland will tend to burn your battery to the ground very quickly because it's constantly looking. And when you're on a plane and you as soon as you go out of area, like as soon as you get 10,000, 15,000 feet, your phone goes into full I need to find a, a tower mode. So it's constantly checking and it's running full full uh it's full power trying to find the next connection. And it's not, that's supposed to be a temporary state, and it turns into a four-hour, five-hour state. And so a lot of times you'll have a, a, a phone. This works with a lot of phones. You'll have a phone that's perfectly full, and it normally would last days. And you go on one, three-, or four-hour flight, and it's gone. And it's because it was looking for a signal the entire time. The other thing is, is that a, a phone engineer actually told me that – or actually a Boeing engineer told me that you know, if, you're, if you're worried at all about cancer in your phone, the time you should really worry is leaving it on during a flight because it's at full-blown – you know. It's a full it's, power. Yeah, it's broadcasting hours, as far as it hours. Can. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like it's like talking on your phone for you know weeks. You know, the amount of radiation that it's emitting, and so it's like a three foot ball around it that's just going after trying to find signals. And so, so I do put it on airplane mode. Then I mean, here's a, I, I don't I try to play as nice as I can, but the reality is is that I'm about to be turned off for the next ten hours, and I'm usually frantically trying to get the last little bits of what needs to get done on the way out. And so, and you know, the, the kind of the, what we, <laughs> what we tend to refer to as the penalty box is if you get caught by the, by the flight attendant, then they do sit there and watch you turn it all the way off. Otherwise there's a lot of texting and putting it back in your pocket and then texting and putting it back in your pocket and then yeah. an email. And every once in a while you get some, you know, person next to you that's very upset. But I mean, every person that I've talked to that re- is remotely an engineer just, uh, just kind of says, this is not, <laughs> this is not a valid problem anymore. And it's not that they said it never was a problem. But it's not a valid problem at, at this point, um, really, think, for phones. Yeah, I think Ars Technica or somebody wrote an article about how there's more radiation from an electric razor than like 40 cell phones or something. It's just crazy. Um, well, yeah. And, and, and again, it's just that the electronics, the, 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 even the research that, that goes out there says that a third of the people forget to turn their phones off that are on the plane. I mean, if it was really a problem, it would be a problem. And we just haven't seen any of those any of those issues. And so there's some anecdotal, like someone said that they they had a problem with some of the instrument panels and then someone turned their phone off and then it went away. And so now they're sure that that's the case. The problem with that is, is that, well, a third of the rest of the plane on average had their stuff on. So how does that one sample, I think it was more of just a right place at right time kind of uh, event uh, more than anything else. And so, I mean, there's so many people using, using their phone all the time on a phone. I mean, the FCC is talking about suing the FAA to force them to leave the phone open because they consider it a commerce problem. And so, you know, because, because people could be buying things now and they're not. And so uh, they're not being, oh, only, only if you're using their select partners, I've been on flights recently where if you didn't, if they had Wi-Fi, you could get on like Amazon and select partner shops for free. Well, you know, it's, it, I haven't seen that. That sounds actually pretty cool because I use Amazon a lot, but, but the, yeah, uh, I, I don't, <laughs> I was like, wow, I can get on for free. I actually like, I'm actually one of those people that, um, uh, my wife thinks is a silly, but I actually prefer to have, uh, I prefer to pay for bandwidth. So I prefer, I don't want to see free bandwidth because free bandwidth means I don't have any speed. Yeah. It means that everybody's using it and I'm not going to be able to get anything done. And so when I walk into a hotel that has free Wi-Fi, I just know that I'm going to have to go somewhere else to do this. I mean, I want to see you know, I love I love a lot of the new hotels now are doing this thing where hey, you can have it for free to check your email, or you can pay fourteen ninety five or nineteen ninety five per day and have. And what they're now telling you is, 
Or you can do that and have a three meg connection, which means I can do Skype, I can do Hangouts, I can do meetings, I can upload real files, I can do all those other things. And that's very valuable to me. And again, I, t- I tend to package this into, I'm pretty good at getting discount rates on my on my hotel. And so I'm paying usually half of what the market rate is or or, or less. And I just look at it like if that hotel was $20 a night more, I would it wouldn't I, I wouldn't have thought about it at all. And so I, as you see, I rationalize that a lot. But but a lot of times when you're doing traveling in general or when you're doing production in general, you get used to doing math, you know, very quickly about what's important. Um, I used to have a in the spreadsheets that I, a long time ago, I don't I haven't done it lately, but um, in this in a lot of our spreadsheets, we used to have this little thing down in the corner that just was a number like eight dollars or eighteen dollars or two hundred and thirty six dollars. And that was literally a calculation based on travel, you know, travel and expenses rentals, um, transport, hourly wages, number of people, all the gear, rental, everything, everything connected. That was the cost per minute that that this production was costing us. And it, and it was, we put it there for a long time and I don't know, we just dropped out of it because I, I, we changed the way we do our stuff and it just never got put back in. But, but the, um, the reason that was really important is that it allowed you to make really good decisions quickly about how much you should spend on a certain thing. So, You'd be like, well, I could spend an hour trying to figure this out, or I can go buy something at Radio Shack that costs $100. Well, I, I look down, and it's, it's, uh, I'm burning up $40 a minute. <laughs> so that becomes a really easy decision to make. Yeah. You know, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm actually waiting for that, you know, if, if the whole production is going to wait for that, we're going to just go out and buy that really quickly. And also, you, 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 know, becomes, makes thing, you, you make decisions like having everything delivered to your location rather than going to pick it up. Most rental companies will deliver, but it's like $75, and you think you want to save that but as soon as you co- you cost it out as far as time and energy you very quickly make decisions and so what happens is when you do that all day every day as a producer you tend to do it with the rest of your life as well <laughs> so you just decide you know i'd rather just pay for that and have it work rather than rather than deal with it and i'll pay less somewhere else i mean i don't go to a lot of expensive restaurants so you know it evens out now yeah. have any of these changes or have any of these things changed um, kind of as this technology has gotten better, you know, have you not worried so much about connectivity at hotels now that we've got, you know, hotspots on our phone or an LTE and, and things like well, that? Well, I definitely, I definitely uh, spend a lot of time, depending on where I'm going, I, I, I worry about Wi-Fi or not worry about Wi-Fi. I mean, I have a, a variety of, of internet capabilities. I have a MiFi, I have a Verizon MiFi. I also have an AT&T USB and I have a Verizon USB. I mean, we, we do internet streaming, so we have to have lots of backups for everything that we're doing. So I have a lot of things kind of floating around with me. And so I definitely have the ability to not have to download stuff. The only thing I think about with a hotel room is if I'm in New York or Las Vegas or LA or San Francisco, typically my bandwidth is going to be horrible, regardless of whether it's Verizon or AT&T, they're all bad. And so they're all slow. It's all, you know, it's not, I mean, it, there's some, some exceptions. I mean, for a while, AT&T was really, really fast in New York, and then it, you know, became like everything else. And just, you know, you just get saturation for the satellite um, uplinks, and so, or, or whatever, the microwave. Or, anyway, so the cell towers, you know, kind of get limited after, at some point in time. And so, so if I, I want to download stuff, I need to do that. And the other thing that I, I look at is if I want to download a lot of data, I don't really want to do it at five, at, you know, sixty dollars for five gigs. So using the hotel bandwidth is better for me. Uh, and then a lot of, you know, so I'll, you know, I get sensitive to that, um, especially get sensitive to it like when I'm overseas, obviously because I'm paying a really a huge premium. So getting that local bandwidth, and then a lot of a lot of times what I do is I, um, as best I can, 
if I can get a wired connection in the hotel, then of course I'm going to hook it to my laptop and then have my laptop share that connection for the rest of my devices. So I'm not paying for every device. Um, yeah, and you know, a lot of people don't realize you can do that and it's not that hard with a Mac. Yeah. It's a piece of cake. Yeah. We, we do it all the time. I have one Mac that doesn't do it very well and I don't know exactly why, but, but in general you go into your network, your uh, sharing preferences and just set up, you know, share my ethernet connection to my ethernet connection to via USB to Wi-Fi, And then you can set up a, a hotspot and you can also set up a, you know, you can make it password protected and so on and so forth. And then, and then you can just take what was your laptop and um, uh, your laptop connection and share it to all of your iOS devices or Android devices. And it, it's, yeah, it takes, it, usually we do it anytime we lo- even find a location. So if we're at a, a lot of the locations because we're streaming, we have a lot of bandwidth. And so we just, it's very quick to plug in one of the laptops and just start sharing it so that we have something locally that um, is connected. We just make sure we turn that off before we actually start streaming. <laughs> so, so, but, but, um, but it makes it easier for us to, uh, yeah, definitely communicate. It's great also when you're doing, when you're kind of having informal communications. Um, a lot of times you'll have, you know, you have bad cellular connections or you're overseas. And one of the great things is using something like GoToMeeting where, you know, a lot of times we'll use that as our, as our call, our call bridge. So, um, so our communications bridge might be, might be GoToMeeting. And so what we'll do is we will uh, all call in. And of course the clearest connection you're going to get is to use the GoToMeeting app and then have, uh, have it connected to, um, you know, you can listen to it on your iPhone and then you're just walking around and you're on the, on the phone bridge with everybody else in the world. Uh, and it's nice and crisp and clear rather than, you know, a phone. Yeah. Sounds like, um, some of this stuff, it reminds me of like, you know, old episodes of mash, you know, radar, this is sparky. What's going on? (laughs) You know, it is, it's, it's, uh, it, it, you calm communications in a production is just so i mean it, it becomes this religion you know there's all these different ways of doing it and there's and it's like travel but but you just you 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 first you underestimate how important it is to be able to talk to everyone that's working on a project and then you become obsessed with it and then you want to keep on adding detail to it like oh it was fine that i could talk to everyone on a walkie talkie that's really cool now i want to buy a comm system and now i want to integrate multiple comm systems around the world. And, and now I want to be able to do talk back to the people that are in the show. And now I want to be able to, you know, it's just, and then I want to talk back to people that aren't here, you know, and somewhere else. And then you keep on adding all these layers of audio and turns, makes an, a simple audio project into a, uh, you know, something that requires like a physics degree. Doesn't take long, does it? It doesn't. Well, as soon as you get a taste of what communicate, you know, communications that work um, feels like, and you just suddenly feel like you're, you know, you can just do so much that you, um, you become very obsessed with it. Now, with traveling two hundred and fifty thousand miles a year, I just I'm just trying to like ab- absorb that. <laughs> quarter a, of a million miles a year, you're on a plane, and um, a lot of long flights. It's not, fortunately, it's not that many. I mean, it's still a lot of legs, but it's a lot of. I mean, we have a school in Rwanda, so you know, it's going back and forth to there, and then we have a lot of events in London and some in Australia and Japan, and so there's a lot of what stacks those up pretty quickly are are the uh, are the long flights that get you you know, in and out of these countries. So what's your top three travel tips with all those miles under your belt? Um, let's see. Pack well, <laughs> give yeah. yourself extra time, um, and pack efficiently. So I, I guess, I, I guess, oh, I, 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 one more, one more. Let me pack, take away pack efficiently. So pack well, cause that's pack efficiently. Yeah. Um, and give yourself extra time. And the most important tip, the most important tip is that when you're traveling, you need to be nice. That's a good one. That is, that is the most important thing. It is, there is nothing more, it's, it's important. You know, my, my, there was a 
quote from Harvey that my dad used to use all the time, which was, um, uh, you know, I found in the, to get ahead in the world, you know, you either have to be very clever or very nice. It's, I just found it easier to be nice. <laughs> and so, so the, um, and so the, the thing is, is you get just the thing to remember about travel and, and in general people, and, and I'm not always good at being nice all the time, but, but when you're traveling, the thing to remember is that everybody you're interacting with is making a subjective decision. Everyone has control over the position that they're in. So whether it's the person who's checking your bag, um, they can decide to ch- charge you for your baggage or not. They can decide to charge you extra for you know going at fifty-one pounds for your bag or not. They can they can make they can make those calls on the ground. Whether they tell you that they can they can do that or not, you know uh, um, you know getting a different seat on the plane, getting um, a little uh, you know, extra pretzels or whatever it is, like all of those things are a subjective decision, and. And it's just a uh, – it's so important that you just – you know, and, and same thing with a hotel. I mean you can end up with a good hotel room or a bad hotel room. I mean I get upgraded very, very often just because I'm not – you know, I'm a good sport. <laughs> so, so, you know, and, and, and I just kind of like whatever issues they're dealing with, my job is to make their life easier. You know, they're dealing with lots and lots of people. And, and I just – you know, I, when I get to a – when I get to check in my bags, I'm organized and I'm – I mean, we have like all the weights of all of our bags like taped onto them already. So I, we save them a lot of time and they're all, you know, we know what we're doing and we understand what we're going to do and we, we have a certain organization. When we get to TSA, you know, I'm not upset when they want to go through my bag. That is part of the game. You know, you just realize that there's this there's this whole process of, of travel that is just that is the cost of travel. And so, you know, and I look at it anytime they open my bag, I look at it like well, I failed somewhere. Like I didn't pack this or I didn't pull the right things out and I'm constantly trying to figure it out. And um, they don't open my bags very often. But um, but the thing is, is that, you know, there are many, many, many subjective decisions being made around you all the time. And, it, and a lot of it just is based on how you are with people. And that's in general. That's, that's a general rule in life um, that I sometimes fail at and sometimes succeed at. But when you're traveling, you'll, no, you'll almost notice all the time. <laughs> I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in at least an externally good mood um, about everything and everything's pretty laid back. And if I have to get edgy about something, um, you know, I do it, but I it's like a very, like it happens like once a quarter and it's usually just a little edgy, yeah, <laughs> you know, es- just, you know, especially when it's a stressful place and people don't need that. They don't need the anger. On it's top a stressful, of it's a stressful fa- place. It is also, I mean, one thing I learned when I was, uh, my, my father was a, a federal prosecutor and, um, and you know, I, so as a result, I hung out with a lot of guys who were state police and, you know, a lot of other folks. And, and I learned this whole process from dealing with, guys from the state police, which is that, you know, and one of the facts that they brought up was that uh, 30% of all police officers killed in the line of duty are killed at routine traffic stops. So when they, when they pull you over, they are worried. You know, this is like one of the most dangerous things they do all day. It may not be, you know, it may be annoying to you, but they are very worried that you're going to pull out a gun and shoot them. Yeah. So, so, you know, creating a safe environment for them where everything's up, up front, where you're nice, where you're not arguing with them about why you got the ticket, where you're not, you know, all of those things oftentimes leads to, you know, warnings. And I got, you know, I, I learned it well. I got pulled over like 22 times between the time I was 16 and 18. And, uh, you know, I got uh, two tickets. <laughs> so, and, and, and it wasn't just because there was two of them. I, I will admit that my, they just knew my dad, but the, the rest my of them is Alex Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lindsay. No, 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 there were definitely two of them that were clearly <laughs> that they were, they were like, you know, you know, just say hi to your dad and whatever. But the rest of them were mostly just being nice, not yeah. arguing about things, you know? And, and so I learned very quickly that when, you know, and, and in general in life, it, it is very important for us to understand where we are in the food chain. And many times in different situations, we're in different parts of the food chain. When you're traveling, you know, you may think that you're a shark, but you really are a tuna. You're always a tuna. 
You, when you are when you are traveling, you are a tuna, you know, and you just need to, you know, and, and thinking that you're a shark will just mean that you will get eaten. And so, you know, hanging out with, you know, and so, and so when you're, when you're being rough with people, I, I watch it. I, I mean, I, and I have, to, the only reason I say this is I think about this all the time because I sit there and watch people be just complete idiots, you know, in the airport, you well, know, and, and, and that, it just, yeah, that applies even when you're not, uh, the, the tuna in the room. I mean, when I'm, I, I go to, I try cases, I'm a lawyer when I'm not right. having this fun and I go in the courtroom and opposing counsel will go up and be a complete jerk to the clerk. I mean, the clerk is an hourly employee from the state of California. Right. And this attorney might make, you know, many multiples of what she earns. And he is just burying himself the whole time. I mean, <laughs> right, right. I mean, to be honest, it's not my nature to be that way to people. I couldn't treat people that way. And it's just the way I grew up. And I'm always nice to people, not with some ulterior motive, but that's just kind of my personality. But when I see they, these guys doing this, I know that, you know, they're in, and they're in for a lot of trouble. Well, and I definitely, I definitely learned a lot of that because, you know, my, my, my father, as I said, I mean, there were definitely points where he would be very pointed, but those were usually in the courtroom and they were with, you know, cross-examining a witness and it was all a show that was required to make that work, you yeah. know? And so, and, and the, uh, but you definitely got that around all of that, there's no reason for him, you know, there's no reason to pick a fight. And, and generally there's, you know, and this is generally in life, don't pick fights that you don't need to pick. You know, it's just, you know, there's uh, I. I was uh, in um, – one of the things I loved to do when I was in uh, – I go to – I spent a lot of time in Africa and um, spent, I have spent a lot of time in Zimbabwe. And Zimbabwe is ruled by the Shona – I mean it's ruled by a lot of different people. But, but the ruling tribe really is the Shona and, and they're a farming tribe. You know, it's 80 percent of the population. And, um, and they're, they've been farmers for 1,000 years or 2,000 years. I mean it's just that's what they do. And it was funny. I uh, – and I shouldn't say ruling tribe. I mean, it's just ru- it's ruled by Zimbabweans, but the largest population is is Shona, and um, and so, uh, but it was interesting that I was uh, I was you know hanging out, and a lot of what I would do in the middle of the night was I'd go hang out with the gardener and the security guy, and the you know so there's a security officer, I mean not security officer, but you know security person, um, gardener, and um, you know a couple of the folks that were working the grounds, but a lot of times they'd end up around a fire and they're just and doing their thing and Zimbabweans are extremely well educated and well read and so they're very interesting to talk to because they, they're not you, know, you just they really are thinking about all these things and uh and so I uh so I, so I asked them I was like so how, what do you think of you know Mugabe and they're like oh well you know it's a lot of trouble and you know I don't know how we're gonna get out of this and it's all you know it's a big mess and he's part of the mess and, and everything else so, like there's a lot of that and I said so why do people why doesn't anyone revolt and uh you know like why don't you guys you know get arms and he goes you know he goes, we've done that before. It hasn't been very, it wasn't, we yeah. don't think it was very successful. But he goes, the other thing is, he goes, you know, we're farmers and, and uh, you know, we've been farmers for a thousand years. And he goes, and when you're a farmer, you know that when you get into a fight with your neighbor, they're still your neighbor tomorrow. <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 I, and I think of that when, I, when you sit next to someone who's really not someone you want to sit next to on a plane. It doesn't matter, you know, being unpleasant to them is not going to move them from the seat that they're ne- next to you to somewhere else. You know, it's just going to mean that you're going to have a very unpleasant flight the entire time. And but you watch people, you know, dig themselves into these holes on a fairly constant basis. It's kind of it used to be kind of annoying to me. Now it's just amusing. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I think this is a good transition point because um, there's one other thing I want to talk to you about. And we, we've covered travel now. So if this is the only reason you're listening, please go have a drink or do whatever makes you happy now. But uh, you also, Alex, have this school. And I've heard you make reference to it, but I've never really heard the whole story. And I think our listeners would like to hear about it. So t- it's in Rwanda, correct? Yeah, yeah. So we, we have a school in, uh, it's a multimedia school in Kigali called the Africa uh, Media Academy. Um, and, or Africa Digital Media Academy, the ADMA. Anyway, so um, the, uh, and we've got about 35 students and we've got a bunch of iMacs with iPads and pretty cool little little uh, spread. And uh, it's really been something that we've been working on for almost, you know, we're starting to approach 15 years. And so the, uh, and now it, we just launched the school. So the school is just, just getting started up, but it, but we've been working on this idea for a long time. And a lot of the interest was trying to figure out how to use communication and media development as an economic stimulus for uh, an emerging world, you know, country. And so we really looked at the size of, uh, you know, size of countries. We really wanted to go to a country that, that we could impact, you know, that could, that could, there was an, enough people to get it done, but not so many people that it, it wouldn't make any difference. You know, you can go to India and, and hire 2 million people and it wouldn't, you know, just a scratch along the surface. So, so we were looking for countries that were, you know, English based because it's just harder to, find people uh it's easier to find people with with that are on english uh, language base mm-hmm. that had five to 15 million that that were relatively stable now remember rwanda had its own issues but by the time we were doing the research it was fairly stable and really we started in zimbabwe and, and zimbabwe regardless of all the trouble uh that it's had uh, still is very stable um as a, as a country and so and, and a lot of artistic expression and a lot of good reasons to to work there and so but we've also done work in south africa and zambia and tanzania kenya um and uganda so we've been we i've worked in a lot of these other countries and over time uh, we kind of figured out what we were really looking for and really what we want and we kind of held out there were a lot of offers to do kind of something halfway and something this this piece and we just held out for this is what we really need to build and so we ended up partnering with the um with the rwandan government and uh, they covered the kind of the hard costs of, of putting stuff down, and then we're working on on the development. So it's kind of a it's a partnership between the two between the two systems. And so uh, and uh, the goal is to really build a, a media uh, environment there. And and you know the the first problem, first couple years, I mean, all of our students are going to just end up being absorbed into the local economy. There's so much demand right now in Rwanda for education resources, and so Rwanda. I know most people only think about Hotel Rwanda and all the troubles in the in the past, but the Rwanda, the Rwanda of today is much different than the Rwanda of 1994. Uh, they are the ninth fastest growing country in the world, the third fastest in Africa. Uh, they are running fiber through the entire country. They are extremely focused. I mean, just laser focused uh, on on development. The corruption is almost. I mean, it's just almost non-existent. Uh, and so it's a very uh, it's a very focused country. And Rwandans in general are just very, I guess, in, in in their own terms, would be serious. You know, they're very interested in in moving things forward. And and it's just a. Um, uh, and I'm you know uh, I don't get down there as often as I could. I have a good uh, good friend that I've partnered with in the company for a long time. Chris Marler runs runs that there and um and we've got um uh some great you know alfred and ryan run the run the actual they're actually the trainers that are there and um in the and we just have a great uh uh crew that's that's kind of running that and then we're doing actual virtual training so i actually run classes or start i'm starting to run video training actually from petaluma california in rwanda using a mixture of go to meeting and hangouts and so a lot of the interaction is all happening in google hangouts and then 
we're using some of the screencasting with um, with uh, GoToMeeting. So they have like kind of a two-screen experience down there, and we've been doing that out of uh, running classes out of both my office um, but also yeah, out of uh, San Jose and, and L.A. and a couple other places. So we're, we're kind of picking up speed where we can have experts in one place and have them in another. So it's also experimenting with what it takes to educate um, you know, in, in all of these arts and it's just, uh, you know, and the students are, you know, the students are great, you know, so it's, it, and it's, um, it's always, you know, Rwanda is a huge opportunity because it's over, you know, over half the population is under 20. So, and that's, you know, you see something like that in many parts of Africa simply because of, you know, just the, the, the population. And you can look at populate. I spend a lot of time looking at population, um, graphs, you know, where the yeah. population distribution is. And when you see this kind of pyramid, you know, it's a real opportunity for change and growth. Um, and when you see it being kind of top heavy, then you, it's a real, it's a real challenge. Like you, it's very much, much harder to run a country that, that is the more vertical it becomes. Now it's very hard because there's a lot of movement in the beginning and, and there's a lot of risk if you can't figure out a way to manage that. Because if, if these, if this half the population becomes, you know, 25 years old and they still don't have jobs and everything else, it becomes a very unstable situation. And so, so there's both a risk if we don't, if we're not successful and a huge opportunity if we are. And, and, um, it's my favorite place to be. I'm hoping if all, if all the stars align, I'm actually hoping to move to Rwanda next year and, um, you know, run it more hands-on cause it's, it's where I, where I love to be. <laughs> so, wow. um, it's, it's a really, you know, I'm, I am, uh, you know, Afri- if, 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 for those who get into Africa, not so much the safari stuff, which is fine. I mean, I'm not really into animals. Um, but when you get out into the rural areas uh, and get into, uh, you know, working with rural populations, uh, it is – that's the part of Africa that oftentimes I think really gets into people's blood. <laughs> you know, And once you get there, it's just very hard to not think about it all the time. And And what you think about a lot of times, A, is – is how are these, you know, how are the people that you're working with so, in, you know, um, happy <laughs> with so, you know, not what you, you know, you, they don't have all the computers and all the stuff and the cars and everything else. And they're still, there's still this expression. And I'm not saying that they're always happy. I mean, there's a lot of challenges. And, but how do they even maintain that in, in the face of so many challenges? And, um, you know, and so, there, and there's something about them that is so present, you know, when you're working with, um, when you're working with many of the folks there that, that I just, you know, for me, that kind of recharges me a lot of times as to be around, um, you know, this just incredible generosity that, that occurs in, in, in many parts of Africa. And so, so for me, I just get a lot out of it and I just want to go, always want to go back. And so the, having a school there is an excuse for me to go hang out with, you know, <laughs> folks in the rural districts. And so, but, you know, but it's also so much more because, you know, I, I've contributed money to groups helping, you know, usually it's when some tragedy happens in Africa, but you know, you, you, you're actually making a difference there and it really is admirable. I mean, well, I, thank you. And I, and I, I, I do, I do look at it. I, the only, I, and I don't mean to push back, but I, you know, I really look at what we do as an investment. You know, it, it, we are really investing in Africa and it's not a, you know, I don't, I don't look at it as a, uh, I don't look at it. I mean, I, I definitely look at it as it, there's a mutual, it's mutually beneficial for everyone. Um, they're definitely getting a lot out of us being there, but Africa is the is the number one region in the world for your return on your investment. I mean, it is. It's risky. It's difficult. It's you know hard. But for me, the return is instant because I I so enjoy making a difference there. But even but but um, you know even if I didn't enjoy it, even if it wasn't this expression of me to do it, it's like also a great business opportunity. And I and, I, and the only reason I say that is because I think that um, a lot of people get very focused on you know, giving to Africa. And I think that that's important, but I, but I am definitely on the side of 
What Africa needs is, is investment. They need people going there with a business idea that is going to grow, that's going to you know create jobs, that's going you know that's not there to help people, but is there to to move that you know this incredible population forward, you know, and create new opportunities and then new opportunities for them as well, but also new opportunities for the people that live in these countries, you know, and I think that, um, so while I, and I don't mean to be so, you know, it's just no, such it, a, it's a, it's a good point. So it's I, empowerment. What yeah. It's, it's an, it's empowerment and it's, and, and I do view it as a great investment. I think that it's a good business move. I think that what we're doing, you know, you know, it, when we started doing it 15 years ago, it really was seen as a complete handout, you know, like what I'm doing down there and, and all these other things. And now people are starting to see that Africa is a great investment. You know, and, and there's, you know, I always, we always joke that in Africa, you can do the, you can do everything for the first time again. And so there's a lot of things that, that work here that you can transplant to Africa. And, and it just hasn't been done yet because the, the technology is still, you know, moving out. And, and in a place, when you look at a, a place like uh, Rwanda, I mean, there's so much growing so fast. Uh, there's just so many business opportunities. And I can only pick the one little one that I have time to deal with. Um, but there are a thousand things that you could do there. And, and it's just, and I think that, that part of that is what, once you're in Africa doing those things as part of what you see, I think, if you don't get too caught up in the, you know, I mean, and, and there's a lot of challenges. I mean, it's, it is a, it is a hard place, you know, um, the, you know, mortality rate is high. The, there's all kinds of risks that you don't have in the United States. Um, but there's also, you know, it's, it's very fulfilling to be there as a person. And it's also, a, you know, a great, um, you know, great investment. I can tell you the first time I received um, a fan mail from Africa for the show, it just blew my mind. You know, the, yeah. the fact that mm-hmm. we can make this show out here in fancy California. And- you know, you know, one of the things I think one of the things that really got me very serious about when I, I used to be on uh, on screensavers with Leo uh, Laporte and uh, do my I did my little Photoshop tips you know, on, yeah. on how to do. You know, so Bert Monroy did the really cool Photoshop stuff and I did the kind of goofy little things to teach you a little bit more about it. And, and so once a week I was on and I, you know, and it, it gets to a point where you start doing them every week and you've got great ideas for the first 20 and uh, 20, 25 of them. And then after that, you start running out of ideas and they get sillier and stupid and you're trying to figure something out, but you got to come up with something every week. And I, and I, I have to admit, it wasn't, you know, I, I, there was a couple of weeks where I wasn't as focused as I should have been. And what really focused me on it was actually not from Africa, but in Pakistan, I got, I got this email that got forwarded to me from one of the producers at, at, at uh, I think it was call for help at that point um, from a town in, in, um, in Pakistan, this little town, they said, we have one TV in the town and, uh, but we all come, you know, we all come to the TV on, on the certain day, you know, to watch Alex Lindsay do his magic in Photoshop. You know, it's like oh an entertaining to them. Like, you know, they don't have a computer. They don't have anything. They just want to see these cool things that, that Alex Lindsay does. And from then on, I got really serious about what I did. I mean, it was a yeah. total like focus nice. where you suddenly realize that you, it's very easy to take for granted what you're doing. And, uh, and it is, you know, again, it's, it's just a, um, it's, it's, you just realize it's not that way, you know, everywhere. And so, uh, and, and I think that I come back, I also come back from the emerging world when I'm, when I'm working there with a new, both a mixture of, of, uh, you know, gratitude for everything that we have. And then just upset sometimes like, yeah. I can't, I can't hear people listen, complain about things. Like I can't listen to people complain about first word problems. Um, you know, when, uh, you know, after I've spent a month in Africa because you just, you know. Starbucks, the Starbucks Wi-Fi is down. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> exactly. Or there isn't, they didn't have the right kind of milk or they didn't have, you know, I was like, yeah. you know, you know, just like, oh, I'm going to, you know, so, so, uh, so anyway, it's, it's hard for me to listen to for a while. And then of course I find myself back in it complaining about the fact that my, 
you know, I didn't get the right whatever with my flight and, you know, all that silly stuff. When I was in college, I used to tutor English as a second language students. And, right. and in Southern California, a lot of them were Vietnamese. And they would tell me these terrible things like pirates would take over their boats. I mean, the, the stuff they, they got through to get here. And I had to say, well, it was the most impressive thing when you got the United States. And like half the time it would be going into a supermarket. Yeah, it is. It is. It is stunning to walk into an average Safeway after you've been in lot, a lot of different parts of the world. I mean, you don't, you just have no idea the level of, of I guess you could say it in a lot of different ways, but, you know, both, you know, incredible opportunity, but also just incredible, like, I can't believe we have so much stuff, you know, and we can still complain about it. And we're, I mean, it, it's just, but it's, um, it, you know, especially when during the, a lot of the troubles in Zimbabwe where there wasn't a lot of uh, cash. You know, most of these places are just empty. You just go in hoping to find milk or hoping to find meat or hoping to find something like that. And then you come back and it was just like this shell. You were kind of, uh, you know, culture shock yeah. of, uh, of returning back to the United States and going even to the most modest supermarket just seemed just packed with with stuff. Well, I, I'm really glad that we had a chance to talk about that because I've heard you, you mention it on Mac Break Weekly and I've always wanted the full story. And it sounds like you've really got kind of a future there. Yeah, it's it's where I mean, you know, the limiter for when I move is mostly my wife. It's just like she just has to get it's, it's it, you know, I would I would have moved 5 years ago, but but um she's more important than Africa. <laughs> so so uh and she's she's slowly coming around and so she's uh, looking at it and so when she decides we're allowed to move, uh, we'll be on our way. <laughs> and you know, with the internet, when we have you back on the show in another couple of years, that's well, okay. We have- we yeah. have a great connection in Zimbabwe. I mean, not Zimbabwe, in Rwanda. We have, uh, I mean, in, in the evening, during the day, we have, it's about a 10 meg connection. And in the evening, though, it's, it's like 60, 70 megs up and down. So it's, wow. you know, and now we have, we have a very close relationship with the folks that are doing the bandwidth. So we, uh, so we have a very unusual setup. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that it won't be very long before I can't run most of what I do in my, in my day-to-day job, you know, from anywhere, but definitely from, from that location. Okay, so just to bring it back to the Mac for one last bit, uh, what is the the recent app you've discovered that's that's blowing your hair back? Oh, let me look. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta get so much stuff. Just gonna let me look. Hold on, hold on. Um, I think that I think I would say if I had to pick something, I'm kind of looking through things, trying to make sure that I pick just the right thing. Um, you know, I, th- I think the thing that I that I still um, have really enjoyed. We have to do a lot of stuff where we have to download um, a lot of files, and uh, one of the things that I really have gotten kind of hooked on is Jaxta. Have you heard of Jaxta? Yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah, so J A K S T A. So when you open up Jaxta, it just kind of anything that's not encrypted, uh, which is everything on YouTube and a lot of stuff on ABC and stuff on PBS and everything else. As soon as you open the window. That, that has that content, it just starts downloading it. <laughs> so, oh. so it just it downloads it, converts it, puts it into iTunes, you know, and just like does it in the background. So you can be surfing, you know, you, and you have to be kind of careful. You forget that it's on and then you suddenly realize you inadvertently downloaded, you know, 60 movies from on YouTube, you know, so, so the, uh, so those are the, that's kind of the danger of Jaxta, but it's really cool. Cause a lot of times we have to like, we're, we're pulling down samples of stuff that we've done and sometimes the only place those samples exist are on YouTube. And, and so it's just easier to grab onto it. But it grabs onto whatever that resolution is. It converts it to whatever you set it to. And it's like 25 bucks. And um, now they also have another one. I can't think of the name of it, but the same company 
has one that does does music files, which is a little you know crazy. I mean, you go to YouTube and you can go through anything that has you know all the music videos of all your favorite songs, which are all up there, and it just kind of rips them all, rips all the audio back down. And so, um, and it does it as fast as it can download. So it's it's a pretty um, it's pretty insane uh, little application, and and uh, and I and I, pro- I use it a lot. So now, do you um, do you have to play the video all the way through? Is it like a one to one, or is it it'll just oh I see the video, I'll suck it down. Yeah, once 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 it sees it, it's off to the races. You can just okay. go to the next movie. Oh, yeah. So okay. it's it's um it's a pretty uh it's it's pretty quick and uh and and, and it's pretty slick. So so yeah, that I think that that is um that's probably one of the ones that I um, have been have been enjoying a lot recently. That's not you know it's not too expensive. Yeah. Well, Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to come back on the show and uh, and sharing all your travel tips. Those those are really useful. I'm going to put a bunch of them into effect now. And um and please keep us posted on Absolutely. the Rwanda school because I think that's I just really like that whole idea. Yeah, well, thank you very much, and and we'll, we're going to be talking more about it in public. It's it's not we're trying to hide it or anything. We just we just are so busy doing it, and I've always felt like you know we can we should get the PR for what we're actually doing, and it'll just kind of show up. So, but we'll definitely be talking more about it as we as we kind of expand. We've got a lot of we're really excited about it. It's just at the very very beginnings. So so we'll we'll, we'll keep you in touch. It's just it, you know it's a strange new world we live in. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Alex, where's the best place for people to find you? You know, the the, the two best places to probably see whatever I'm going to talk about is uh, my G+. Plus. So you just search for Alex Lindsay and you see a picture of me um, in black and white or whatever. And that's me. Uh, or uh, G+, Plus or uh, or Twitter, which is Twitter is just Alex Lindsay, all one word uh, with an A. Uh, so um, anyway, so Alex Lindsay and, on Twitter and, and G+. I mean, I have lots of websites and lots of other stuff and pixelcore.com and all the fun stuff. But those are the places that I kind of post stuff. I post kind of the more, uh, you know, edgy quips, obviously, on on Twitter. And then usually if I'm going to talk about something oftentimes or if I, I'm going to post pictures, I usually do it on G+. So those are the probably two best places to find me. And you can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode um, at our website at 5x5.tv slash MPU or at MacPowerUsers.com. And special thanks again to Jagar for doing all the show notes for this show. Yeah, the show notes suddenly got way better. You know, when Alex was talking about sometimes you need to have someone else do it to make it right. I was thinking about that with the show notes because I stink at it. And we got that is so the key to the operation, (laughs) getting somebody who can really focus on it. It's just all of us are too busy. Jakar is just better at it than I am, to be honest. And the um, and then we've also uh, you can get a hold of us on Twitter. I'm at Max Barkey and Katie's at Katie Floyd. And the show is at Mac Power Users. Yeah. And uh, you can email us if you want to send in comments to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And that will go to both David and I. And I think that'll about wrap us up for today. Alex, thank you again. And we will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.